Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, and today it is Superstorm Sandy one year later. This is going to be the focus of so much programming and so much media attention everywhere, especially on the East Coast of the United States and especially in the Northeast and especially in New York and New Jersey, and we are no exception. It's one year later. We are at the headquarters of Achiezer, who we introduced and we met last year uh, uh, just after uh, Hurricane Sandy, after Superstorm Sandy, uh, you'll recall. And um, they have been doing amazing work way before the storm, during the storm, and, of course, a year later after the storm. We'll meet a lot of folks this morning who are spending a lot of time helping a lot of people in this community and beyond. We are at the headquarters of Achiezer on a Tuesday morning broadcast. We are at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. They won't ask you where you wise like Solomon. They won't ask you where you strong like Samson. They'll ask just one question and you give just one answer. It's the end of the game and only one thing matters. They'll say, did you give it all you got? Cause in this life you only have what you got. So give it, give it, give it all you got. So give it, give it, give it all you got. If you say it's easy, I'll say it's not. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. And if you say it's not for you, I'll say it's your lot. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. And if you say you're tired, I'll say tick tock. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. And you could put my album on a shelf to rock just. Give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. those tears, you look in the mirror, you face all your fears, don't be a fool trying to be wise like Solomon, only the weak try to be strong like Samson, oh no, oh no, I did what I said, I got no one to blame, only one thing matters, at the end of the game they'll say, did you give it all you got, cause in this life you only have what you got, so give it, give it, give it all you got. In this world we only have, we only have what we got. So give it, give it, give it all you got. If you say it's easy, I'll say it's not. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. And if you say it's not for you, I'll say it's your lot. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. And if you say you're tired, I'll say tick tock. You gotta give it, give it, give it. Give it all you got. And you could put my album on a shelf to write just. Give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. 
Nazi, I'll say it's not. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. And if you say it's not for you, I'll say it's your lot. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. And if you say you're tired, I'll say tick tock. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. No need to put my album on the shelf to rock. Just give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. That's when I lift my eyes to the skies, dreaming, dreaming, days gone by, and I know you said that all I need is an honest try, an honest try, but in the dark of night, in the lonely heights, you give me the strength to keep up the fight, but I can't move on, I can't live life without you. Sometimes life's like an ocean. Is quiet as blue. Sometimes life's like an ocean sailing with you. Sometimes life's like an ocean raging like a fool. Sometimes life's like an ocean when it's drowning you. Rivers have come to surround me. Talk with me and bring me down. The rivers have come to surround me. Talk to my boat around. The rivers have come to surround me. Talk with me and bring me down. The rivers have come to surround me. Talk to my boat around. That's when I lift my eyes to the sky, dreaming, dreaming, days gone by. That all I need is an honest try, an honest try. But in the dark of night, in the lonely heights, you give me the strength to keep up the fight. But I can't move on, I can't live life without you, without you by my side. To surround me, to cool me and bring me down. The rivers have come to surround me, to turn my boat around. The rivers have come to surround me, to cool me and bring me down. The rivers have come to surround me, to turn my boat around. That's when I lift my eyes to the skies. Dreaming, dreaming, days gone by, and I know you said that all I need is an honest try, an honest try. But in the dark of night, in the lonely heights, you give me the strength to keep on the fight. But I can't move on, I can't live life without you, without you by my side. That's when I lift my eyes. 
eyes to the skies, dreaming, dreaming, days gone by. And I know you said that all I need is an honest try, an honest try. But in the dark of night, in the lonely heights, you give me the strength to keep on the fire. But I can't move on, I can't live life without you, without you by my side. J.M. in the A.M. Tuesday morning, and the weather is a little different than a year ago today that I could tell you. Although a year ago today, I guess the storm had not officially hit yet, but uh, there was a lot of anticipation. In fact, I was reading up, and that's the song, by the way, that we designated as the official Superstorm Sandy song. Uh, I, I guess a year ago today, uh, early in the morning, we were still contemplating what type of storm it would be and how much damage would be done. And um, uh, the weather a lot different this time around. But I pulled off some of these statistics from the web about some of the things that we were going through or that the metropolitan area was going through uh, one year ago. The uh, immensity... Of and the impact of Superstorm Sandy on the east is difficult to comprehend, it says here. And the scenes of devastation coming from the impact zone are stunning and heart-wrenching. To help understand the extraordinary scale of this historic storm, there's a list of notable statistics from Hurricane Sandy. 160 people, 88 of whom were in the United States, perished on that day, or the day that the storm hit their area. Damage estimates were between 10 and $55 billion. Power outages were almost 9 million U.S. customers, the second most for a natural disaster. The only one that had more power outages was the blizzard of 1993. The um, maximum United States sustained winds, 69 miles an hour, which I think our friends in London or in uh, southern England are laughing at because they've gotten uh, winds up to 100 miles an hour during their crazy week this week over in London with the storms. And the peak United States wind gusts were right in our area, 90 miles an hour at Islip, New York, and in Tompkinsville, New Jersey. So this was uh, quite a storm, and I'm sure everybody who's in our audience who's based on the East Coast remembers exactly where they were when the storm hit this, um, uh, this past year on the 29th of October. They've moved the mayoral debate. The third mayoral debate was supposed to take place yesterday, the third of three Tuesdays in a row that the debate for mayor was going to be happening in New York City as the election is happening on November 5th. They moved it in order for everybody to be able to participate in the different, um, in the different um, uh, ceremonies, commemorations that are taking place a year later. Uh, on Superstorm Sandy Day, I guess we would call it at this point, on the 29th of October. So that debate is happening tomorrow on Wednesday night. It'll be the third of the uh, of the three debates between de Blasio and Loda. Jam in the AM, we are live at the Achiezer headquarters, an organization that has been around for a long time doing amazing things but really became very high profile in the aftermath of Superstorm Sandy. This is how we are spending our... Uh, our um, Superstorm Sandy Day, if you will. Today's show is uh, Lezechonishmos Yaakov Mordechai Ben Avram Lipa Cohen Wallman. 
And we will hear from a representative of the Woman family later on. Chairman of Achiezer is Shuli Woman, and he's going to be joining us in the third hour this morning here at JM in the AM as we continue to remember what happened a year ago and uh, speak to some of the people who were involved not only a year ago but all the way until now with Superstorm Sandy Relief. This is JM in the AM, and we have a um, Facebook update page, Jewish Radio World with Nahum Siegel, which is being updated all through the morning on Twitter at Nahum Siegel Net, and now on Instagram, instagram.com slash Nahum Siegel, N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L. You have all those sources for social media which are um, available to you at the moment. And don't forget, later on today, our road show or road trip continues. We'll be at Kosher Fest, the Jewish Kosher Trade Show. Uh, it's coming up between 11 and 1, our live lunch from the uh, from booth number 511 with our friends at Abels and Hyman who are celebrating their 60th anniversary. That's happening between 11 and 1 today, Eastern Time on the stream, right here at jmandtheam.org.
Avram Freed, who's going to be visiting JM in the AM tomorrow morning in our studio. 
There he is with the uh, well, one of the selections off of the uh, Amachaya CD. Torah is the best of Schorah. Before that, Eitan Katz with the Olam. JM and the AM live from Achiezer headquarters on this one year later uh, Superstorm Sandy show. Where were you one year ago? Back on the uh, 29th of October of last year, the uh, Superstorm approached land as a Category 2 storm. Can that much damage be made by a category category two storm? Apparently, yes. The New York New York Stock Exchange suspended all of its trading operations. The hurricane force winds extended 175 miles out of Sandy's eye, making it much larger than most storms of this type. On that day, the 29th of October, the United States federal offices in Washington closed to the public. The UN headquarters in Manhattan closed. The Metro in D.C. closed its transit service the day before already. On Sunday, the New York Metropolitan Transportation Authority suspended all subway and commuter rail services beginning at 7 p.m. and bus service suspended at 9 p.m. Governor Cuomo directed the Army and Air National Guard members to mobilize. New York City Mayor Bloomberg ordered an evacuation in low-lying areas of New York and public school closures. Uh, We were in a state of emergency. And on that Monday on the 29th, before the storm hit, uh, close to 11 million commuters were without service as they tried to get home. Uh, Hurricane Sandy weakened to a post-tropical cyclone in the evening before making landfall along the coast of southern New Jersey. At least 110 homes burned to the ground in the Breezy Point neighborhood of Queens, New York. The cause of the blaze was not immediately released. And three reactors experienced trips or shutdowns during the storm, according to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission statement. Plenty happened after that as well, of course. Uh, One year ago, Superstorm Sandy um, displayed its wrath and carried it out in this area of uh, the United States. And organizations and efforts like Achiezer became very high profile to us and to so many people in the Jewish world. And we're going to meet some of the people responsible for Achiezer here at JM in the AM. Achiezer located in Lawrence, New York. Their phone number 516-791-4444 again. That's 516-791-4444 as we continue to encourage people to keep them going uh, with all their amazing efforts on behalf of so many. More coming up at JM in the AM. Ray Bender is going to be joining us. He is the head of Achiezer, and we'll meet some more special guests between now and 9 a.m. A big day for us as we're on the road all day long. After we finish at Achiezer at 9 o'clock Eastern time, we're going to be heading to Kosher Fest and participating in uh, Abel's and Hyman's 60th anniversary celebration, which is happening in booth 511 at Kosher Fest. If you're in the kosher food trade, you are uh, uh, eligible to come on down and participate in the big Kosher Fest food show. J.M. in the A.M. at 6.33, 27 minutes before 7 o'clock.
Baruch Levine, Ufaratzda, off of his Modim CD. It's JM and the AM live from Achiezer here on Central Avenue in Lawrence. And, of course, our host is Rabbi Baruch Bear Bender and his staff. Rabbi Bender is president of Achiezer and has uh, he's joined us before a Superstorm Sandy, you should know. He's been with us uh, about the incredible service that Achiezer does for the community in general. And they are involved in a lot of different things on the medical end and many other ends. Uh, but then last year when Superstorm Sandy hit, their organization became even higher profile. And uh, the work they do became even more well-known, not just in this area, but really everywhere around the entire world. Rabbi Bender, thank you for uh, welcoming us here this morning. And uh, what what do we say a year later? We don't say happy anniversary, do we? <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> that you know, we don't do. A lot of those comments and uh, hopefully lighter moments now. But uh, I will say, I, the first thing I do want to say before anything else, obviously before welcoming you and your staff here, um, it's wonderful to have you here, and thanks, Julie Woman, of course, uh, for all those that helped behind the scenes make this happen. Sure. Is that contrary to what many people believe, you know, it's not over. Um, I want to tell you where I was last night, 8 o'clock. I was in the home in the five towns um, with somebody just trying to help a family that's been a little slower getting everything together. And they took me for a tour of the house. This is last night. This is two weeks ago, a month ago. And if I tell you how the house looked inside, it's very frightening. To see and and the mounds of paperwork that this family had on their dining room table, and the fighting that they're having with their insurance companies, this contractor, with the permits to build, and then going to the basement and still seeing today, October 29th, you know, 2013, piles of mattresses and cement that's shifting because they found a little something there, or the mold, and it's not the rule. And overall, as a community, we're in a we're in a much better place. When I say as a community, the Farakaway, right. Bayswater, five towns, we're, we're, we're getting there. But it's not over. There's still a struggle, and we need to be sensitive to that. Um, that, yes, some people really have not gotten there yet, and the struggle continues. The people that you refer to, were they in their home for the last year? Were they out for a few weeks or months? Like uh... It's a combination. Some people weren't able to go back because the homes were so badly damaged. Those were the worst hit segments. But some people were able to move back home, but they're living in a home that it's status quo the way it is now, where you'll still see bare walls, right. things still aren't furnished. And um, you'll, I told someone last week, we're buying another home in, in the Rockaways where you know, they were operating out of a little like fake kitchen inside the garage because all the appliances got messed up. They brought new appliances and some water came through. There was a leak. So the struggle continues, and emotionally as well for some people. They just have not been able to move past, and move past this just yet. Uh, last night, is in, 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 I don't know, I guess some level of irony, I was uh, reliving what had happened a year ago in my own situation, because everybody has a story, obviously, with Superstorm Sandy, and Monday night, and you think back. So did you relive yesterday or last night any of what you went through during the storm? I absolutely did. Flat out. I, um, I said this over on Sunday. I'm not sure if any of your listeners heard this. I apologize. And when I said over on Sunday, we had a community gathering at Tehillim Asifa, which you may have heard about, sure. which we can talk about later on. And the one recollection I had was that we were all just reliving that night. And um, the point I had brought out was the Nisim and the incredible miracles, because like I had said, I didn't say this on Sunday, but in my mind and the minds of so many in the community from both Achiezer and many other organizations, including Hatzala, we really, there was no question in our minds that there was going to be literally a widespread loss of life then. With the forecast coming and this is going to meet this, left, right, east, and all those crazy events, and the way the trees started to fall and these transformers started to explode in the block I was on, we were petrified uh, of what we would find the next morning. And it didn't happen, certainly not in this neighborhood. We obviously understand not everyone was as lucky. 
But here in the Farakway Five Towns, we were all here, and we're still all here to talk about it. So um, I also happened to have made a bris, our family, the Sunday before the storm, and I had a baby who it sort of paused each time somebody asked me what his name was the first few weeks. So these were some frightening moments, and uh, definitely being relived, many of them in the office as well. You know, it's just a lot of memories come flooding back to, uh, no pun intended there, whoops. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> definitely was uh, a, a terrifying time for so many people. And uh, with, with, the, with this anniversary, quote-unquote, a lot of these memories come back, and it's not so easy. Um, one of the one of the things that uh, we all, as a community, think uh, is necessary and uh, you know really helps, obviously, are financial contributions. Uh, the the money goes to a certain extent. It goes a certain way. It it, it lasts for a while. It, uh, it and it doesn't solve everybody's problems. I mean, people I'm sure have difficulties with uh, kids in school and the whole adjustment that kids have had to the whole situation. And obviously families, as you just described, no matter how much money they're given as assistance, it doesn't always help in terms of fixing their home or in their battles with the insurance companies, etc. So we do encourage people to keep giving, but that's uh, only part of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, definitely the money, money, yes, for a while was everything because people needed to somehow find a way to rebuild. Nobody has an extra hundred thousand dollars or two hundred or fifty or forty. And some people don't have an extra ten right. sitting in their bank accounts. And like you said, if the house is going to be built, something else is going to fall by the wayside. And there are families now who are struggling to pay their rent a year later because of all the funds that they spent then. Because they didn't have renters covered. I mean I can give you a million examples. Oh, yeah. But the the ripple effect is, is terrible. But certainly like somebody asked me recently, what can we do today? And you know what? Reach out to a family member, reach out to a friend, reach out to us. We will find you somebody that can still use your help because it's by any means, you know, um, still going. We've heard of so many people who had flood insurance or, or the opposite, had hurricane insurance, but not other types of insurance, and that didn't always help because it wasn't officially a hurricane and things like that. Uh, are, are there still a lot of battles going on with insurance companies, and were they were they a, uh, how do I put it, not a culprit, but were they, did they have a disappointing reaction from your vantage point? You thought that uh, a year ago today you thought a lot more, insurance companies would be coming through with a lot more help for people. Yeah, I'll answer you with a specific example. People have asked us, you know, Milka Kielsen, you know, who's really been running our hurricane relief, doing a, an incredible job. Hopefully we'll get her on later if she allows. <laughs> but, um, you know, people asked her recently, you're still fielding hurricane calls? And her answer was, yes, they're still coming in. And why? Why are people first coming forward now? And the common theme, which with most of the calls that have come in in the last two months, really answers your question, are people that, felt they didn't need to come to the community. They didn't need to come to Achieza, to Rabbi Greenland's Davis Memorial Fund, to the Community Assistance Fund, or to any of the other schools that were helping, because they were going to manage. They were going to put together a few dollars. They were going to get their insurance money. They were going to get... And all of a sudden now they're waiting, 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 waiting. They're being told it's going to come. They put in for $100,000 in damage. The insurance company writes them a letter. Thank you. We received your application. Here's $46,000. And all of a sudden now, what are we supposed to do? And a nice, uh, an alarming amount of families have found that scenario over the last couple of months. So these people are coming forward. But overall, I would say that the insurance company, the response was sluggish and it was subpar. Um, people like uh, our assemblyman, Phil Goldfeder, and politicians on both sides, Mr. Menget, all over, were trying to fight with the insurance companies to push them a little harder to make sure that they responded quicker and responded better. There's no better way to put it. And, um, yeah, overall, a lot of disappointments. And uh, I feel, feel the people who really did not have adequate health, you know, health, adequate flood insurance and adequate insurance that they thought would cover things, they're really suffering the most a year later. All right, Baruch Bear Bender, as uh, the president of Afi Ezer, information, is this the best number, 516-791-4444? 
anybody who wants, and I assume the website is also a great resource to go and contribute and participate in the uh, aftermath of Superstorm Sandy. There were we saw a lot of things out here last year, uh, from food efforts to clothing drives, uh, a lot of different things that were happening. Uh, do any of those continue? Is there still a need, uh, like the immediate needs in the aftermath of the storm, or now it's basically you know a central office fielding calls with insurance matters and things like that, more of a I don't know more of a business end type of thing that has to go on. Yeah, the basic relief operations, uh, those really have all been suspended. That was, you took about memories earlier, that's, some of the most amazing memories come from that. The way people just selflessly gave themselves where lawyers became soup kitchen handlers, you know, and, and local, local doctors were going ahead and cleaning out mud from people's basements. And the schools around the neighborhood that turned into relief centers, it was really a fascinating sight, which I will never forget. From Shayasho to the Young Israel Bayswater to Rabbi Waxlack and Long Beach to the White Shul, Young Israel Woodmere and Inwood. I mean, it was amazing to see the way people just turn their shuls and, and, and the leadership of these shuls allow their centers to become an open home for thousands for, from get, to fill out an application for insurance or for a warm meal. Mm-hmm. But I would say at this point most of those operations, not most, those 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 are all behind us. That's all immediate needs. Uh, correct. And um, the office consists on a daily basis of approximately sometimes between 30 and 40 different families coming, anything ranging from a medical consultation for a family member in a hospital, health insurance enrollment, you know, we have a psychologist seeing people privately with an entirely separate private back entrance to keep, you know, those things done privately. And um, you never know what could You know, the thing about our organization is despite having a pretty specific mission and pretty specific basic services, there are always those out-of-the-box items. And we have a couple of staff members who are specifically trained to handle those kind of calls to make sure they can triage it properly and either direct them to a resource that exists within these offices or with another one of the organizations in the community that can help. The storm hit Monday night. When was power back on this block? This block itself did not come back till approximately almost a week later. Which means you were or were not able to field calls and help people. We were able to help people and able to field calls, but not out of the offices that we were sitting in. And this is a memory that my wife does not wish to remember. <laughs> um, operations moved over to my home in Farakway because our computer specialist here, my brother-in-law, Aaron Zillig Rosenberg, who may have been here already, um, he figured out a way to get us running in Farakaway, but not in Lawrence. For whatever the reason, I'm not even going to pretend to understand the <laughs> IT stuff and why FIOS did work or Cablevision didn't work. And he got us going there, so that's where we stayed for almost 10 days, actually, out of my dining room. Like I said, we're not going to discuss that too much in detail because I will get in trouble. I still get in trouble. <laughs> that that's the, where the headquarters were. Yes, that's where the headquarters were. And about 10 days later, it came back to this area? About 10 days later, we tested and retested about three or four times, and I'll never forget, we finally decided to make the move and unplug all the different generators and the the computers and the wires. I mean, my house turned into, I mean, it was it was a scary scene. And, and we came back. And how did your staff react when the geography of the Achiezer Reach just continued to extend? Because I assume that places like Long Beach, the Rockaways, and you could probably name a million others for us, started to call you. Probably the single biggest change a year later is that our regular, quote-unquote, departments, I would say, have nearly doubled in size. Because people... We got onto their radar because of Sandy, right. and now they were calling us because of other things, like I mentioned, the whether it's medical or hospital right. or insurance or, or a crisis or mental health, whatever it may be. And so we simply had to add staff. We added four or five staff members in the last year because I feel, quite honestly, that the single most important achrayas we have to the community is getting back to them in a timely fashion. And once we see we couldn't keep up with those kind of volume of calls, we could be helping 9 million people, but if you can't help that one person who's calling when they need you or they're waiting three days for a return call, 
then it's not, it's, it's really not worth it. So we've added staff. Some staff has worked longer hours. Um, but certainly that is a direct result of the exposure that we had because of Sandy. Um, listen, the exposure, on the other hand, financially, we were able to give out so many more millions because people just heard about it right. and responded. And we can focus on that later. But uh, the, the, the fundraising campaign was unbelievable, unprecedented. But along with that, you know, definitely came out of the responsibility. And you mentioned earlier that there are plenty of good uh, uh, funds, uh, whether they're connected to synagogues or otherwise, that are set up to help people in these types of situations. We'll continue to remind everybody about Achiezer. The website is achiezer.org, if I'm correct. Achiezer.org, and the people should keep giving. What you said earlier, though, is so important. If you want to adopt a family, or if you want to just reach out and help somebody who, you know, may not even be totally in a financial sense. It could be other ways as well, like the family that you alluded to earlier who are still going through all these troubles a year later, there's a way to do that. If they contact you here, you could set people up with a uh, and pair them up with families that are in dire need, and again, not just financial, but uh, other ways as well. Yeah, similarly to what was done a while ago with Nivnan Partners in Sandy, we have a few of those people who step forward now and say, give me somebody to work with. Or privately, you know, it doesn't make a difference. And if there's somebody out there that would like to be there with a the family, we will connect you. There are those families, again, the numbers are a lot less, Baruch Hashem, let's not kid ourselves, but they still exist, and if you want to give a hand, we will find a way for you to do so. A year ago today, you probably thought, how are we going to survive all this, right? (laughs) What's good? You had no clue what tomorrow would bring at that point. Yeah, I really didn't. There are some moments of a year ago today where I had feelings which I never thought I would have. I'm always known as the... uh, the eternal optimist, they're smiling back there. I'm always the guy who's supposed to, nothing's supposed to phase me. I was phased. I'm saying it publicly. I was phased. We were all phased. And we didn't know what would come one minute to the next. And there were some terrifying moments and overwhelming moments of how are we going to do this? How are we going to survive this? And um, i got to tell you, I've lived here my entire life. and my head to get all, well, you know. But the way this community has stood up and the way... You know, strangers took care of strangers. The way Rabbanim rolled up their sleeves, the way shuls, volunteers, I mean, that, that by me is definitely the single greatest thing that came out of this storm. That from my perspective, seeing the way this community rose to the occasion, and this was not a Hurricane Irene. Right. You know, this was much a disaster. Worse. This was much worse on every last possible level. And people just rolled up their sleeves together and did what needed to get done. And many people still continue to do that until this very day. And what you just described was replicated in many other neighborhoods and communities around this area. It was amazing how many people, especially rabbinic leadership, community leadership, as you say, you know, came through and really helped out so many folks. It was huge. I mean, I had to be at the office most of the time. I'll never forget, you know, going into towns like Bell Harbor, Long Beach, Atlantic Beach, uh, Bayswater. Um, some of them really bad. I mean, some of these places were hit terribly. I remember going to areas in Cedar Bay Park off Peninsula Boulevard where homes were terribly, terribly destroyed, but people just stood together, neighbors helped neighbors, and, and like I said, their abundant opened up their shuls to people, and the way they just made committees and people just did whatever needed to get done. I mean, I know we're expected to do chesed for each other in Kali Israel, but this was a whole new level. Thanks for welcoming us here today. Baruch Bear Bender is president of Achiezer, and we'll speak to you again later on. We'll try to concentrate on some of the other things that Achiezer is well known for even before the storm hit. Absolutely. Thank you, Nachum. More coming up from Achiezer headquarters here on Central Avenue in Lawrence, New York. That's right, everybody. We are here as a uh, one-year commemoration, if you will, of Superstorm Sandy. Could you imagine? It's already a year, and it was a devastating storm that really went ahead and... Uh, turned this area upside down and did did the same in so many neighborhoods and communities in New York and New Jersey. I was mentioning earlier that on on October the 29th, on that Monday, 
We were already were in a situation where the New York Stock Exchange and the United States Federal Offices in Washington and UN headquarters in Manhattan were all closed. The uh, on the next day, on October the 30th, which I guess would be that Tuesday of the storm, we already saw early on that Kennedy Airport started to reopen for certain planes. That the um, that the businesses and households, unfortunately, close to eight million of them were without electric power in 15 states and Washington D.C. I know in our situation in Lower Manhattan, we were out until Shabbos uh, the entire week without any electricity, and uh, the National Guard was called in. Helicopters were performing rooftop rescues of adults and children who were trapped in homes on places like Staten Island and the surrounding areas. The National Guard arrived in Hoboken, New Jersey, some of the most unbelievable scenes that we saw uh, both through photos and video came from Hoboken and the areas that were right next to the water. Uh, remember back how we how so many people suffered during that time, and thank God uh, we are here. Most of us, thank God, are here a year later uh, to just remember it as a memory, and those who still need hope are being helped by places like Achiezer. More coming up. It's five minutes before 7 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Superstorm Sandy one year later at JM in the AM. Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M. Aryeh Kunstler, Micha Mocha, from Our Eyes Are On You here at J.M. in the A.M. Well, it's a year later, Hurricane or Superstorm Sandy, call it whatever you want. And we are broadcasting live from the Achiezer Community Resource Center here in uh, the five towns, uh, remembering what was going on a year ago. I actually had a flashback last night to what happened a year ago. I really did. It was a strange night. I'm sure a lot of people were thinking about the uh, about their own situation and what they were going through during the uh, height of the storm, which was uh, Monday night on the 29th of October last year. A uh, whole day of programming here at jmtheam.org. Don't forget, at 9 o'clock this morning, it is uh, Ellie Hagler with a uh, OU presentation of the Jewish Reaction. He's co-hosting with Naftali Herman, who filled in for him last week. They'll discuss the importance of continuing education opportunities for teachers. And Richard Bernstein, a disability advocate who's blind from birth and has run more than 20 marathons and ultramarathons, is going to be joining Ellie Hagler this morning between 9 and 10. A very, very inspiring man. And, of course, the New York City Marathon is this coming Sunday. Uh, Rabbi Levy Cooper, with his brand-new, amazing book, uh, is my guest between 10 and 11 on Buy the Book. Uh, current publishers have provided him. Uh, it, it is a great conversation. I hope everybody out there. Rabbi Levy Cooper is originally from Australia, now lives in Israel in Sor Hadassah. His uh, book is amazing, and I hope everybody has an opportunity to hear the conversation between 10 and 11 this morning. And, uh, between, yeah, between 10 and 11. At 11 o'clock, we are expected to start our live lunch webcast from the Abels and Hyman uh, booth number 511 at Kosher Fest, which is open to trade only. Uh, so check that out. We'll be doing that between 11 and 1. We are um, uh, tweeting at Nahum Siegel Net, Facebooking Jewish Radio World with Nahum Siegel on the brand new Instagram, Instagram.com slash Nahum Siegel, N A C H U M S E G A L dot com. Uh, check that out on Instagram and uh, not dot com. It's Instagram slash Nahum, Instagram.com slash Nahum Siegel. Uh, coming up tonight at 7.30, Homeward Bound, Rabbi Yigal Siegel speaks to Rachel Berger, Director of Post-Aliyah Employment of Nefesh Benefesh, on the topic of employment and general issues surrounding employment that is happening tonight. On Teen Spirit tonight, Abby Stiefel talks about stress in high school. She's joined by Yafa Stone, a senior, Tamar Nissel, a sophomore, and Dr. Rezo Yaish, head guidance at Mayanot Yeshiva High School, and by Stephen Finkelstein, who heads guidance at TABC. That's tonight beginning at 8 p.m. It'll also be podcasted. Make sure to listen to Teen Spirit tonight at 8. And finally, at 9 o'clock tonight, the 9 at 9, the top 9 at 9. Yossi Zweig is preparing a great countdown show. If you haven't voted yet in this week's 9 and 9, for your favorite song, go to NahumSiegel.com. Click the uh, link at the top of the page that says 9 at 9, and you can go ahead and uh, take care of that and have your vote counted for tonight's countdown. Reminder that the open house for TABC is this coming Sunday. This coming Sunday, November the 3rd at 1600 Queen Anne Road in Teaneck, New Jersey. Doors will open at 9.15. The program will begin promptly at 10 a.m. You can pre-register online, tabc.org slash open house, tabc.org slash open house. And um, they will have tours of the brand-new state-of-the-art facility which includes their brand-new Beit Knesset, a modernized and large Beit Midrash, a new fully-equipped gym and weight room, student activity center, and brand-new classrooms. You're invited to come check out TABC this coming Sunday, 7.02 in the morning. And this is America's one and only Jewish 
moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web. It's jmandtheam.org. Coming uh, Shabbos, we'll actually Ben Shoshchodesh. That's Yehuda Green off Peace in My Heart here on a Jam in the AM Tuesday morning. Reminder, Avram, Avram Fried in studio tomorrow morning. Reminder, later today we'll be at Kosher Fest and the Abels and Hyman 60th anniversary celebration in booth 511. Uh, it's open to trade only. We will be there from 11 until 1, assuming we get there on time. We'll be there from 11 until 1. 
come say hi. You'll see ZK quickly setting up everything so that we can uh, webcast. Did we leave anything there yesterday, or we're taking everything fresh? It's all fresh? I know. I'm kidding around. Today's program from Achiezer is Elon Ishmael, Yaakov Mordechai, Avraham, Yaakov Mordechai ben Avram Lipa, Cohen Wolman. And I thank the Wolman family, and we'll hear from the chairman of Achiezer coming up later on in this program. He'll join Rabbi Bender at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk about all the things they do, and including things that are outside of the realm of Superstorm Sandy. Uh, before we introduce our next guest, I uh, was handed a, uh, a sheet of paper that has a weekly breakdown of phone statistics during Hurricane Sandy, starting with the week of October 28th, as you would imagine. That's when it all began. Achiezer that week um, fielded 2,500 calls. The next week, when there was such a need and when people, people started to really understand how devastating a situation it was, and I guess after a few days of trying to figure out what to do, over 6,000 calls came into Achiezer. By the time we hit um, uh, right around Hanukkah time, or even even after Hanukkah, uh, 22,000 calls had come into Achiezer. That's the first eight weeks of the superstorm, uh, starting from October 28th, before the storm even hit, all the way until December the 18th of last year. Almost 22,000 calls were fielded, and you can imagine how many people were desperate for help and how many people were actually helped. Uh, Mati Hellman is here. He's a local resident who was heavily affected by Superstorm Sandy, and he has agreed to share his story with us one year later. Mati Hellman, welcome to JM and the AM. Good morning. Thank you. So do you have uh, interesting recollections about one year ago today? I do. What comes to mind? We did evacuate on Sunday. Uh, we went into Brooklyn, but we were following the storm closely. And um, we, some people who were still on the ground were sending us pictures, and we saw the water going up, up, up. Even the day before Sandy, we saw about uh, two, three feet of water. So I think it was uh, Monday morning. Already then? Yeah, the the sewers backed up as well. Most of the people that were affected by Sandy weren't just affa- affected by the uh, by the ocean storm. and st- and stor- storm water. It was the sewers that backed up because they shut down the sewer system. So it was a smart move to evacuate. I think so. Did a lot of your neighbors not evacuate? Some did not, and in fact, as uh, Baruch Bar will probably tell you later, the, um, they were busy all night evacuating people and, and saving people who literally were climbing up the steps to the second floor as they were watching the water come higher and higher. All right, so a miracle that there wasn't loss of life in this neighborhood. It absolutely was. So when do you get back to this neighborhood? We came back, my wife and I came back the morning after the storm. Tuesday morning. Right, we drove back from Brooklyn, we went through uh, Bell Harbor, it was like a war zone. We had to ride, uh, drive on different sides of the road. Because the roads were pretty much washed away, there was dirt, there was mud, there was all over the place. Trees probably down as well. Right. Cars were just floated just in the middle of all the roads. In the middle of the streets, we saw cars in, in backyards, you know, front yards, on the, on the street, just washed away. And then we got to our block, and uh, we, we took one look, and we, we knew this is uh, not going to be any easy cleanup. What did the house look like? First on the outside and then on the inside, if you're able to get in. The outside, just, I mean, there was garbage all over. And, then we, and you know, for a second we hoped, we said, you know what? Maybe our house was a couple of feet up. You know, maybe it didn't go inside. And um, then we got into the house, and everything was gone. Everything was toppled over, flooded. Were there still feet of water in the house? Um, interestingly, uh, there wasn't any water in the house. But, for example, when I opened up my fridge, it would just water came pouring out and just you know, it drenched me. Um, you know, all the appliances were dead. We had about uh, four and a half feet of water on our first floor. 
Was your entire block like this? Yeah, every single um, house on the block. But the, the block was amazing. I mean, everybody pretty much came back that morning. You see everybody standing on their steps, throwing everything out. I mean, we, we lost um, just, you know, our passports, birth certificates. Everything was on the water. And pretty much because everything was affected by sewer water as well, we didn't even try to salvage anything. Everything just went out onto the uh, into the front of the houses. So at that point, uh, by the time we got to the afternoon, it was it l- really looked like a war zone because everybody had thrown everything out and just sitting there in piles in the, uh, on the, on the front lawn. When did that get collected? Over the, uh, over the next week, the the sanitation department was really really great. In fact, they they backed up onto my uh, front lawn, killed it in the process, and they. <laughs> And um, they, they, they picked everything up and they took everything away. It was garbage bags. I would say there were at least, you know, we had those heavy-duty contractor right. bags. There must have been at least 30, 40 of them. And when do you, at what point did you think it would be realistic to move back in? I mean, did it ever become realistic in the early going that you might be able to move back in? So, um, you know, at, at some point I said to my wife, we were already living in Brooklyn at that point for about a week and a half, close to two weeks. And... Um, my kids were just, you know, sitting at, say, sitting by my parents all day doing nothing. There's no school or anything. Right. We didn't have electricity. That was the problem. That's why we couldn't get back. In addition, there was a, there was a huge wait to get new um, boilers and hot water heaters because it was a, such a severe shortage, shortage. All the appliances were dead. You know, there was no, there was no point in trying to salvage any of them. So I, I, I remember it was right before Shabbos. So no, during the second week, I said to my wife, we've got to get back. And they were estimating that the electricity was going to come back on on Sunday morning. So I said, let's plan to move back on Sunday. So we had cleaned out, we had cleaned out the house already, and um, we moved back in on Sunday. We came back Sunday night. It was so dark. There was no moon that night, I remember. And it was so dark that I had to park my car facing the front door with the, with the, with the, with the brights on just to get into the house. And, of course, the electricity hadn't been turned on yet, but we weren't going back to Brooklyn. And um, Did it hit the second floor? No, Baruch Hashem, it did not. So your main floor was the one that was really... So the beds and stuff in the bedroom were We were able okay. to sleep, right. So we got back in, and um, we, we the electricity actually was not turned on for another full two days. So the first two nights, we didn't have any heat, and it was already getting cold then. But we weren't going anywhere. And we, I think we, on our block for sure, we were one of the first few people back. But the, the peop, most of the people on our block were amazing. They came bouncing back. They just, you know, with a smile and just... This is us. This is what happened. Let's move on. Uh, Mati Hellman is here, one of the victims of Superstorm Sandy. Um, I mean, I, I hate to fast forward so much. I'm sure there's so many details. But when did life start to think about resembling normalcy again? <laughs> How long did it take? Not that long. I mean, you know, there was the construction period. You know, um, some people got st- started sooner than others. You know, um, but I think that within a, within a few weeks. I mean, did you have appliances in, in you know the, in the subsequent weeks? It took it took a week to get. It wasn't right. you know, but but it, we we did that pretty quickly. And they come, they take out the old stuff, they put in the new stuff. Most people most people bounce back very quickly. Some people had such significant damage, they ended up having to you know file for permits to redo their whole houses. Right. Um, but most of the people in our block pretty much just had to do a, uh, I guess a facelift on their house. You know, right. you know, you know, rip out the, rip out all the walls, paint, carpet, that kind of thing. And is mold and stuff a big concern, or was that able to be taken care of right away? It was a huge concern, which is why we had to call the restoration companies. There, that was the first week after the storm. They basically um, cut everything out over the uh, over the water line and left just the beams. And after, and anything had to be replaced. I mean, subsequent to that, you had to replace that. I it was yeah, it was uh, everything was gone. So the first floor had to essentially be rebuilt. Right. And is there a basement? No. 
Baruch Hashem, we didn't. Most of us in our area didn't uh, have basements because the water level was high. Right. So never, they never even built with basements. Right. Um, how did Achiezer help? How did they? Uh, what What did they do that you saw or that you experienced, uh, or other groups as well, to help you get through all this? Well, they, they were incredible. Um, you know, when something like this happens, there's no there's no protocol. There's no there's nothing that people say. Oh, I know what to do now, and I know who to call, and I know um, how to pull things together. Do you call an adjuster? Do you call your insurance company? What are you supposed to do about the mold? What are you supposed to do about uh, you know? Forget about the the, the life savings, uh, the, the lives that they were saving during the actual right. storm. But afterwards, how do you, who do you, what do you do? How do you put pull things together? And um, everybody knew that there was one. The, the only source of information, pretty much at that time, was the uh, daily emails coming from Achiezer. Um, nobody knew what was going on. Nobody. It's not like anybody came down to, on the ground to help us. In fact, I remember the Red Cross came. Um, a, a, few, a few days after we got back, and they came on our block and they were handing out blankets. And they see they, they they saw the mobilized effort on our block and they see that everything was you know everybody was already so well advanced. They said no, you guys got it under control and they left. <laughs> Even the Red Cross was over. Yeah, <laughs> they were overly impressed with what yeah. Alfiezer was doing. Uh, just unbelievable. So how are things a year later? Did you have a, as you said earlier, you had some flashbacks last night, right? Right. It's it. it, it you know, you you you, th- you give thanks, you give shavuot and haydos hakadosh baruch hu that um, this there could have been a tremendous loss of life. You know, we were dealing with stories during the storm. There was an elderly person across the street from us who was calling. He was trying to get through to the police department. Nobody was picking up phones, including the 911. I think at the time there was, they told us it was at least an hour back, <clears throat> and at least an hour backlog for real emergencies. That was 911. And this guy, there was an elderly person across the street. He was calling. He, he somehow his kids got a hold of my cell phone number, and every 15 minutes they're calling me. The water's up to his feet. The water's up to his uh, legs, his knees, his waist, and we thought it was all over. At some point, I had to tell him. I kept trying to call people. I called, um, I called Phil Assemblyman Phil Goldfeder. I called Achiezer. I called 911. There's nothing to do. There was six water, uh, feet of water outside, and at some point, I had to tell them. I said, you know, nobody's coming, and the only way he can possibly survive this is to get out of the water problem was he really couldn't walk and i told him to get him to, to to put him into a bed and let him at least you know take off his clothing wrap himself in a towel and stay dry because he's already saying that he couldn't feel his legs well Baruch Hashem, at, at that point there were four people including rabbi bender himself who walked through the water at about midnight and uh, actually lifted him up over the you know lifted him up off the ground over the water and carried him to safety unbelievable incredible you have to really be thankful um, well, I'm glad you're here to tell the story. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Thank God. And uh, your block looks normal now, or Baruch Hashem, we're back to normal. But it, it brought it brought the block closer together as well. I always say with the story the day after we were we, uh, during lunchtime we were all busy cleaning out the uh, the houses, and um, we came outside and everybody you know you had that you know shell shock look on their face. And Not sudden, quite sure what to do. Right. And one guy says, oh, my gosh, well, we have all the meat in the freezer. You know, what are we going to do? Everything's spoiled. We've got to take it out. And another guy says, a neighbor of mine, uh, Sally Gutman, he says, uh, well, my grill is still working. And <laughs> we had a massive, massive barbecue in the afternoon. There was everybody's meats were going on there. You know, we had ribs and everything. And we have people coming by. They're looking, and they're saying that these houses are destroyed. What are these people doing? They thought we were retarded. 
We sat there and we enjoyed it. We made the, we really, really made the best of it. Unbelievable. Great story. And uh, thank you for joining us here this morning. Mutti Holman, somebody affected by uh, Superstorm Sandy in a very big way. A lot of people like that in this area. Yeah. Thank God the block and the neighborhood is getting back to normal. Thanks so much for joining Perfect. us this morning. Good seeing you. Uh, Achiezer here at, uh, at the 516-791-4444. You can go to achiezer.org for any information and to contribute to their amazing work and a uh, big Big thank you to all the organizations and the synagogues and the uh, uh, the different uh, rabbinic leaders and community leaders who played such a role in helping this community and so many others rebound from Superstorm Sandy. It's one year later here at JM in the AM. <laughs>
J.M. in the A.M. Misha Ma'amin, done by Benny Friedman, of course. A uh, J.M. in the A.M. first, uh, I don't know if we call it anniversary, but one-year commemoration of uh, Superstorm Sandy from the Achiezer headquarters here in uh, on Central Avenue in the Five Towns. The pr- program is being done. Lili Nishmas, Yaakov Mordechai, and Avram Lipa, Cohen Wolman. And we are here as guests of Raya Bender and his amazing staff at Achiezer. Go to achiezer.org and make your contribution. You can call them at 516 791 Four 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 four, and they are a lot more than just uh, superstorm relief. And we'll discuss some of the other things that are going on at the Achiezer offices a little later on in this program. Rabbi David Greenblatt is with us. Rabbi Greenblatt is administrator of the Community Assistance Fund. Rabbi Greenblatt, welcome to JM in the AM. Welcome to you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I would assume that no much, no matter how much money is in the Community Assistance Fund, when it came to Superstorm Sandy, it was not enough. Am I right? Yes. Um, actually, the Community Assistance Fund had been a fund that we had created um, several years before at the beginning of the recession when we saw that a lot of people would need help getting jobs. And uh, we ran uh, a lot of money was collected, and we ran it for a couple of years, and we put the fund away. It was kind of dormant, and, uh, you know, it was there and waiting, I guess, some kind of, a, you know, a bashert type of a situation. And then when the storm hit again, we basically said, here was a fund that we had once organized for the community. Let's, let's now collect for it. It had the benefit of being an independent fund, which means it wasn't connected to an organization. Right. Um, I think the community and... Actually, the contributors from across the country and even outside the country had confidence that there would be an independent board, an independent fund, and that money, which is always the thing that people want to watch the most, would be treated uh, carefully and distributed in a in, in a healthy and, and proper way. And, and that's what we tried to do. So in normal circumstances, it would help people, I don't know, with weekly expenses or different things when they were going through tough times right. here. You have to provide real emergency assistance. Right. And there was approximately $13 million was given from private donations, all private. There was no government money or other foundations. Uh, private contributors gave from across, literally around the world, but uh, gave about $13 million. And uh, that was distributed to over a 1,000 families. And um, what was interesting was that the larger needs came later because those that had homes that had a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars worth of damage really had no place to begin at the be- you know immediately right. after the storm. You, unless you've got a plan, you're not going to go and put up one wall, you know. So, <laughs> so the, the, actually, many many months after the storm, I'm literally eight months after the storm, there were those that had major damage and said, now I've got to deal with my home and maybe the insurance had settled with them and they were still short a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. So. Thank God we were able to help throughout that period, both the, the smaller requests that were initial. We Literally a night or two after the storm, we were giving one to $3,000 out. We gave 800 families one to $3,000 within two weeks. For immediate uh, needs. Uh, immediate needs just for, you know. To get uh, through. Right? To get through. And then uh, then we gave out a second tranche was uh, $10,000, which was to get what we call basic systems, which was boiler, electric, uh, moisture out of the house so it would not damage even more. So we had this, you know, let's call the next level of, of immediate need. Right. Then it was a $15,000 grant to, you know, several hundred families which started beyond that. And then after that, we ended up giving hundred to $200,000 grants to people with more serious damage. So it was, it was done in tranches and, uh, we've, uh, Got about a few hundred thousand dollars left, and we're still, as of yesterday, I still got a request. I can imagine. By David Greenblatt is here, administrator of the Community Assistance Fund, for a fund that's not affiliated with an organization. It sounds pretty organized. Well, we um, we had a little experience, unfortunately, from the recession. We brought right. back in the same staff, um, and you know, the Five Towns community is a 
is an activist community. There are people that care. There are people that, that, uh, it didn't take much to get together ten people of, 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 you know, uh, Mr. Sonny Ganger and Mr. Malik Lifshitz, uh, and the Aguda sent in some, uh, Rabbi Kalish to help us. It didn't take much before uh, it coalesced into a hardworking, serious effort to really, uh, treat this money, uh, with utmost care and, I can say that there was there were no disputes. In other words, it's an amazing thing. You're giving out millions and millions of dollars, and I don't know of any dispute that happened. People were satisfied. They felt they were fairly treated and equitably treated, and they understood there were others that needed money and that they had to take that. And so it, I think it worked well. You helped a 1,000 families. That's a pretty amazing number. Yes. It must it, be very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, I hope that we don't have to do such a thing well, again. It's just getting understood. <laughs> and, and there are people probably who still do need help out there who, you know, are not as, uh, as lucky. Maybe their community doesn't have a community assistance fund or they don't have the capability of raising that kind of money. But, uh, when you say that you gave a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars to people, that means you rebuilt their homes essentially. You were able to allow them to renovate and get to, back to normal, so to speak. Literally, that was the case. Every case was done on a case-by-case basis, and if there was no solution, there was no family that could help to that degree, the insurance wasn't coming. We put a lot of work. There were 60 shul representatives that went one by one and met with homeowners, met with contractors, really negotiated for them and helped them so that this was done you know, very, very carefully. There weren't no checks just written. It was, And even the checks that were written were written to contractors when, when we had such a, you know, uh, in, in the larger cases. So I think that... Uh, you know, all in all, as I look back, I don't know what we could have done, uh, you know, better or more responsibly, and I'm comfortable, and I, I wouldn't know if I'm satisfied or, or, or joyous, but I'm, 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 I'm pleased with the fact that we treated every dollar that had come in uh, um, with respect. You have to understand, we didn't just help this community. When I talk about $13 million, that was Long Beach, uh, Oceanside, uh, Bell, Har- you know, uh, Bell Harbor, um Rockaway, Far Rockaway, Bayswater, as well as the entire five towns. We were, we pretty much went everywhere except for Brooklyn, which had its own, its own program. Once you start to help, understandably so, the uh, communities who need help are coming forward. They came, yes. Uh, Rabbi Greenblatt, Yashikoch, for what you've done and continue to do, as you just said a year later, you're still helping with grants and with, uh, finances for people. Uh, with the Community Assistance Fund. Kolakavo, thanks for joining us this Thank morning. Thank you for coming. This Rabbi David Greenblatt, Administrator of the Community Assistance Fund. Imagine that, all that money being used to help families get back on their feet and in so many cases to actually rebuild homes, which is amazing. They created this fund and have administered it um, uh, since the storm. And um, Rabbi Greenblatt leads the Davis Memorial Fund as well. JM in the AM here on a... Tuesday morning broadcast. It is Superstorm Sandy one year later from the offices of Achiezer. We're in uh, an eight-week period last year. They fielded 22,000 phone calls. Things are a bit calmer at the Achiezer offices this morning, although they are still involved in so much community work. It's absolutely amazing. Reminder, all day long on the stream, jmnam.org. We're going to be at Kosher Fest starting at 11 a.m. at the 60th anniversary celebration of Abel's and Hyman. We will be there in booth number 511 at Kosher Fest. Come join us. We have amazing programming on our stream all day long, including 9 o'clock this morning for the OU's Jewish Reaction Show. That is Ellie Hagler, who will speak with Naftali Herman about the importance of continuing education opportunities for teachers. And Richard Bernstein, disability advocate who's blind from birth, and has run more than 20 marathons and ultra-marathons. It's coming up at 9 o'clock. Rabbi Levy Cooper with his brand-new book, which is amazing, Relics of the Present, 
about Meseches Brachos. It's amazing. I had an incredible conversation with him. Rabbi Cooper is originally from Australia. He now lives in Sur Hadassah, Israel. He's my guest between 10 and 11 this morning. My thanks to Koren Publishers for making him available. KorenPub.com has all the information. 11 o'clock, we will be at Kosher Fest, Homeward Bound with Rabbi Yigal Siegel. He will be uh, on the air at 7.30 Eastern Time tonight with the show brought to you by Nefesh Benefesh. He'll be speaking with Rachel Berger, Director of Post-Aliyah and Employment, and the topic tonight is employment as it relates to Aliyah. Abby Stiefel, she's got teen spirit tonight about stress in high school. She's joined by Yafa Stone, a senior, and Tamar Nissel, a sophomore, as well as Dr. Razel Yaish, who heads guidance at Maya Note, and by Stephen Finkelstein, who heads guidance at TABC. That's tonight at 8 p.m. And don't forget to vote for the top nine at 9 Yossi Zweig is going to be counting down the top nine at nine tonight on the stream at jmandtheam.org. And that is going to be at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Go to the top, go to the top nine at nine, uh, link at the top of nahumsegal.com and make sure to get your vote in before tonight. Or by David Goldwasser, uh, he'll be speaking about Superstorm Sandy. His words are Kanishma Sarav Zebnerbilsafalevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Briskarov once said that when something good happens, it's a mitzvah to publicize it. How wonderful it is, manich that Nachum is being mefarsim the Kiddush Hashem that is made by Achiezer through its many programs on behalf of the Klal. It says in Tehillim, Ruach Sa'ara, Oisadavaroi, the stormy winds fulfill his words. In our recent Parshios, we read about the ten Nisyonis the tests and trials of Avram Avinu. Why did he have to be tested in ten different ways? Wouldn't one test be enough? Certainly, the final Nisayin of the Akedah would prove everything. The Mephoshim explain that by being tested in all areas of life, Avram didn't merely demonstrate his greatness in one particular instance, but he demonstrated his greatness as an Adam HaSholem, a complete and perfect person in all areas. The unexpected devastation wrought by Hurricane Sandy presented many nisyonas to our community. It was a test, a nisayon, to maintain one's emun and bitachon in the face of personal loss. It was a nisayon to continue to live and serve Hashem besimcha, in happiness. It was a nisayon for the community to see exactly how it would respond to Achenu B'nai Yisrael in the time of Atzara. It was also a Nisayan for Klal Yisrael to draw the correct message from Hurricane Sandy and to understand that it was a clarion call to do tshuva. The Talmud tells us, Thunder was created for the sole purpose of straightening out the crookedness of the heart. Hashem intends for a person to perceive the thunder and all the happenings in the world as a means of attaining a higher level of Yerashamayim, fear of heaven. The Jewish community was indeed tested. Shoals were devastated. Businesses were wiped out. Homes were destroyed. People had their life savings vanish in front of their eyes. But Klal Yisrael withstood the test. We got to see Klal Yisrael at its best, a time when people kept their emunah 
and bitachon. First and foremost were the people who suffered the most, those who were directly hit by Hurricane Sandy. They thanked Hashem for whatever little they had and were makabel yisurim ba'ava. They accepted the difficult times that they were experiencing with great love. Immediately after the hurricane struck, a couple came to me. Their entire business was lost. Just last night, I met them once again. They have still not been able to reconstruct their business and to have a viable source of income. But both the husband and wife said in unison, We are thankful to Hashem for all that we have. Shuls and yeshivas continued their regular sidorim of davening and learning under adverse conditions. Still etched in my mind is the scene of Balabatim and Bochrim learning by candlelight because of power outages. Minyanim continued in makeshift structures so that not one tefillah b'tzibur would be missed. Yidin volunteered wherever they could help. They gave money, resources, food, clothing, svarim, whatever was needed. There was a call for volunteers in areas like Seagate. People traveled distances, like the busload that came from Baltimore. They came to clean up the overwhelming amount of debris and garbage to clear the way for reconstruction. Some bailed out water for hours on end, while others helped the elderly and infirm who were displaced. Appeals were made and funds were raised in many communities. A devastating fire once tore through the Jewish community where Reb Nachman of Breslov lived. Many buildings and homes were destroyed. The next morning, when people came to look at the ruins, they saw an elderly man rummaging through the rubble and picking out various items. Someone called out to him, You old fool! What are you doing there? He replied that he is taking whatever he can salvage, whatever has not been totally ruined, so that he could begin to build anew. Reb Nachman loved what this man said and repeated it many times. We are B'nai Yisrael. We never reach the state of Yush, of despair. Even amid the Chorban, we look to rebuild and to restore anew. May Hashem continue to help us in the healing process and may the future hold only B'Sorostavos Yeshuas V'Nechamos. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. We are live from Achiezer this morning. Our program is Zeich Nishmas Yaakov Mordechai and Avram Lipa Cohen Wolman, and I thank everybody for tuning in. It is a Superstorm Sandy one year later on the 29th of October last year is when it hit land and when so many people in so many neighborhoods and communities were affected. Uh, this is one of them. The uh, Achiezer influence in the five towns and beyond has been unbelievable. As you heard us say earlier, they fielded in the first few weeks 22,000 coals for help. We have the actual breakdown with the exact number of coals right in front of us. 
just under 22,000. And uh, the effort continues a year later. Achiezer is doing what they normally do, plus, of course, still helping people in the aftermath of the superstorm. Ellie Weiss is here. He's Achiezer Volunteer Coordinator. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Nachum. Thank you. And Alon Goldberger is here who led the cleanup effort for hundreds of homes, a local Farakari resident who had extensive damage to his own home and uh, helped many others as well. Alone, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Ellie, did we meet last year during this whole thing? Did we have a chance I to? I think we spoke on the phone. We spoke on the phone because you, person. You, you, were, uh, you were coordinating volunteers, and thank God, early on, you had a nice response, right? Well, I'm going to give that off to the man on my right who was more in the trenches, you know, with the volunteer work, you know, at Shayasha dispatching hundreds and hundreds of volunteers, cleanup efforts, mold remediation, whatever it was. Alon Goldberger was really, really behind the scenes. And when people called the office that they wanted to uh, to help, you were the one who fielded those calls. No, that was that was a <laughs> team effort. Many, many people fielded phone calls. We had volunteers who came in simply just to answer the alarming number of phone calls that we were receiving. And a lot of the people who called, can I help? What can I do to help? We sent them to Shayasha. Do you still get? And we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. Do you still get volunteer calls today? Do you still get groups uh, of course. who want to help out? We do. And what type of things do they do a year later? So the, the options are, are many. They, it can be from cooking packages to go to the hospital, driving right. packages, visiting patients, financial budgeting with people who need a little bit of a financial you know, counselor. There's and always something to do. There's right? always something to do. Alone, did we meet at Shari Yashif? Because I was there, and I saw these teams being sent out. You may have been one of the people who was actually sending them out at that time. That's true. I, I don't recall if we met, but it could be. And uh, a team meant you literally had a group of people that were responsible to go. You didn't send anybody themselves. No, we never sent anyone themselves, but we literally had people pouring in over the course of the two weeks and people coming from all directions. People came from Kiran Hills. People came from as far as Boston. And uh, just Shayashev was the place to go. People came in. We had a list of addresses of houses that needed help cleaning up, dispatched the team, and they went out there with garbage bags, gloves, face masks. People were literally schlepping furniture up, sta- up full staircases out of houses. And regular people, regular business people, Curly Young Goliath, whoever came, went out and helped. So the focus of the first few days, or the first couple of weeks, was get the stuff out of the house, right? That was 99% of the work. Yes, definitely. You know, one of the things we realized is people were literally sitting in homes with feet of water still. I mean, we were, we were I think we started the effort on that first Sunday, so, the, so that was already four or five days after the storm. Right. And people were literally still sitting in their houses with four feet of water, furniture, toys, farm, underwater. And the key that we realized right away was let's start getting things out of people's houses. Unbelievable. Uh, so I'm sure you have those uh, those pictures, and I don't mean actual photos. I'm talking about uh, those scenes etched on your mind of uh, seeing all the stuff on the front lawn, seeing all the garbage bags, uh, pieces of furniture, beds, mattresses, etc. Anything that was damaged had to get out of the house. Sure. That's, you drove around the neighborhood those, those first couple of weeks, and in front of every single house, it was just a pile of... People's life's belongings, their, their beds, their farm, pictures, photo albums. Unbelievable. Was uh, any one team more impressive than others? Did you send out some teams that were really unbelievable, the way they, the way they conducted themselves, the way they got the job done? I mean, honestly, I think everyone was, was incredible. I mean, it was just what, what was amazing was where people came from. I mean, the phone calls I was getting, my, my cell phone number got out there as the, the phone number to call if you wanted to help. And to be honest, as, as recent as two weeks ago, I got a phone call. Is this Achiezer? <laughs> And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) But they thought that you were the one who was spearheading this whole effort. That's nice. Yeah. Alon Goldberger is here. Ellie Weiss is here. He's Achiezer Volunteer Coordinator. You're going through all this and everything that we're describing about a year ago while your own home 
suffer damage. That's right. How do you manage that? Were you able to do both things at once, both do the volunteer coordinating and uh, do, deal with your own home situation? I was. I have a wonderful wife who really kind of took the lead on the house. And, and I think for myself, to be honest, it was easier to kind of be out of it and be helping others than to be focused on what was going on in my own house. How extensive was the damage in your home? It was pretty extensive. I, my house is a split level, so we have a, a basement that's about three steps down that was completely underwater. And the first level where you walk in is sort of like a family room office that had about a foot and a half of water. Unbelievable. And then the next floor, obviously, did next, not have any water. But that, right. That was the only saving grace for the whole thing. Right. No, and we're lucky that the main living space, living room, dining room, kitchen is actually like six, seven steps up. So we're, we're lucky that at least once the, we got the water out and we got all of the all of our belongings that were on those two floors out, we were able to move back home. At what point um, uh, did things get back to real normal in your own home? How many weeks or months later? I would say about six to eight weeks later. I mean, we had we had everything torn out pretty quick. And, you know, one of the one of the good parts about being involved in the cleanup effort is I actually knew what had to be done. So we <laughs> got that. experience, huh? <laughs> so we got that done pretty quick. And, and then we really just had half the house closed off until we were able to put it back together. Unbelievable. Uh, as you coordinated and led all these uh, uh, different teams that were going out, was there any supply that was really in shortage? I know there were a lot of things people needed, boilers, appliances, etc. But, I don't know, gloves, garbage bags, and all the other basic needs for teams like that. Was it difficult to get those minor supplies? The truth is that it wasn't. I mean, I, I'm lucky. My father is actually a, a um, in, in Queens, has a building supply business. And on the, the second Sunday, which was really the, the main, I, I would say the biggest volunteer day that we had, I think we had over 500 volunteers come in to, come in to show Yashiv. My father had come out with a truck full of garbage bags. <laughs> gloves, masks, and they were actually donated by his suppliers. Unbelievable. Well, a lot of people were involved in ways that they didn't even realize because uh, there was so much needed and so many materials needed, so much equipment needed, and uh, somehow it all got there. And I remember uh, when I visited Shar Yashiv, it wasn't just the teams of volunteers and the coordinating that was going on. It was the food that was being distributed. It was the clothing that was being collected and distributed. So much was happening to make sure that people had their immediate needs. And obviously, as we've been discussing all morning, everything's in stages. There's stuff people need right away and different things they need uh, down the road. Uh, Ellie Weiss is um, coordinator of development here at uh, Achiezer and uh, is responsible with assisting with one of the most successful online campaigns probably ever in our community. You saw millions of dollars come in online from everywhere around the world, correct? It was incredible. We couldn't keep up with the with the pace in the you know on the on the back end of it, you know, the money that was coming in, we're trying to keep a log of it and it was just so overwhelming. I had to reach out to our website developer Dovies and say we need a little bit of help exporting all these numbers that are coming in to uh, you know, to help, you know, Get the get the road get the show going to help people with the with the recovery. And um, it, it, it would be, I mean, if we'd go through the list of places where contributions came from, it's everywhere around the world. I had that. I was I had field the request a few times. You know, can we get a breakdown of where it is? So fortunately, <laughs> there's this great program called Microsoft Excel. You just hit sort, and there there was contributions coming in from out of the country. Like and nobody believed the cities that were on it. It was unreal. It was really, really incredible. Incredible is how the uh, Jewish people react when there's a state of emergency. And in this case, boy, oh, boy, people came through like crazy. Can people still make donations on the uh, Internet website? Absolutely, they can. Go to um, achiezer.org. And they can support the work of Achiezer all year round. And, of course, the work that still remains from the aftermath of Superstorm Sandy. Ellie Weiss, yashikoch to you for all your efforts with Achiezer. Thank you. Alon Goldberger, is life back to normal or not yet? 
Life is back to normal. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. One year later it is. And what happens if they call your phone? You just forward them to Hazard. I give them the number. Simple as that. Thanks so much for joining us, and the Yashikov for being Thank here you. this morning. Uh, Ellie Weiss and Alon Goldberger, uh, two uh, more great people that we've met this morning who uh, can tell stories about the community effort and the just uh, the incredible uh, job done by the community here at uh, Achiezer and uh, in the five towns and beyond. Plenty more coming up here on a, uh, a Tuesday morning broadcast. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Ari Boyanju, Mizmor Toda from the Rosh Ashmurot CD. J.M. in the A.M. on this Tuesday. We are all over Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's right, you heard correctly. Instagram has started for us. Facebook, Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel. Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net. Instagram, Instagram.com slash Nachum Siegel. Make sure to uh, hit all the social media sites all through today. We are on the road all day today. We'll be heading out to a kosher fest straight from here the trade show, and we'll be uh, webcasting our Tuesday live lunch. I hope ZK doesn't mind that we're actually going to be in his Tuesday live lunch slot. We're going to be uh, webcasting from the from booth number 511 at Kosher Fest. The uh, Abels and Hyman 60th anniversary celebration will be there between 11 and 1. Great programming all day long on the stream at jmnam.org. We are here with Achi Ezer on Central Avenue in Lawrence. Their phone number 516-791-4444. They are still accepting donations from around the world for the Superstorm Sandy Relief and, of course, for all the amazing work they do constantly. And we'll talk more about that with Ari Bender and uh, his leadership of Achiezer at the top of the hour. It is uh, one year later, one year later from uh, a time when 4.8 million customers remained without power all through the uh, New York area, even on November the 1st. Could you imagine at the end of that first week, still millions and millions of people had no power. LaGuardia Airport only reopened on that day, on that Friday, with limited service. The New York City public schools remained closed. Theaters in New York City finally reopened. Gas shortages took place, you may recall. That's another scene that I think uh, made a tremendous impact on people far and wide, New York and New Jersey, waiting for gas and driving around with great tension Wondering, would I have enough to get to the gas station and stand online for hours and hours? So many different things. The ripple effect of that superstorm created so much. And here we are one year later, thank God. Uh, those who survived and those who were able to rebuild have tremendous uh, thanks to the one above. Rabbi Eliezer Post is here. Uh, hard-hit Farakaway family uh, was the Post family during the superstorm. He's a first-grade Rebbe at Yeshiva Darche Torah and joins us live in our Achiezer studio here at JM and the AM. Rabbi Eliezer Post, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Nachum. Um, I'd also like to thank you for giving me and, uh, and us and everyone a chance to reflect on this major event that happened in our lives a year ago. And uh, really I'd like to say and also to think about what Hashem wants from us to take with us from such an event, including the Hakar Satov that I think we all in this community uh, feel that we should give to the Achiezer organization and, and other organizations that helped with them. And I'd like to start out by saying that I think I had two floods last year. I had the four and a half feet of water that barreled into my house uh, during Hurricane Sandy, which I estimated is about 45,000 gallons of water, wow. which is a lot of water. But there was a second flood. There was the flood of Chesed that came from the Achiezer and from the entire community um, to me. And I, I, I just want to say I feel like I, I'm representing, I'm not here as myself, I'm here as representing the hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of families in the neighborhood and the greater New York area that were helped 
by Achiezer and by the other organizations that that that, that pool together. And uh, I want to give our listeners a sense of both floods. First, the, the flood of the water. Uh, the the great amount of work that was facing a typical homeowner like, homeowner like myself. When I came back, we had we had just the rubbish removal, pumping out the water, items that were floating in the water, refrigerator, freezers, high rises with mattresses, heavy items that had to be removed, hundreds and hundreds of books and svarim, a playroom stocked with shelves and shelves of toys, walls that needed to be ripped out, walls that needed to be bleached before you could even get a crew to rip them out because you were afraid the mold was going to start growing on the walls uh, within a day or two. And all our financial records were down there in the basement, including in, in metal file cabinets, including papers that we would have to go through to see what we would need, our homeowner's insurance policy, flood insurance policy, sorting through wreckage and... And 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 How long were you out of your home? I was out of my home just for two weeks. I was one of the lucky ones because two weeks is considered two, short, right? Because as soon as the power came back on, or, or shortly around that time, we were able to get back in because we were hit in the basement, which we had a a finished basement, but not not a uh, on a main floor. The, right. the people that were in, hit in the main floor were hit worse. Um, also, at the same time that was that a, that a homeowner was busy with all that cleanup. He was also busy with trying to get on the phone with FEMA, with his flood insurance, with his homeowner's insurance, with public adjusters, with mold experts, electricians to find out if your house was safe, with contractors, and everyone needed a contractor and everyone needed a plumber, and this was not so easy to find. And this was all, you know, while at the same time, Kanainahara, I have a large mishpacha where Kanainahara in the double digits of children, and just the regular laundry and meal time is, is a whole event, let alone the huge amount of huge amount of hurricane laundry of, of all clothing that was soaked in the basement and, and they needed to be attended to quickly or else, you know, or, or again, we worried about the molding. And all this had to be done during daylight because once the lights went out, once daylight went out, there was no lights anywhere. There was no street lights. Most of my, our cell phones were mostly not working during that time. There were two-hour gas lines. I mean, the, the amount of, 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 of different facets so that a homeowner had, had to face at one time, you know, and in stepped Achiezer and, and organizations that were with them, Nivna, Kef, and, and, the, and the local shuls, the white shul, Shayoshev. And what did they do? First of all, they had a laundry service. They would pick up your laundry and take it to, to places and bring it back to you. There was a Seamus pickup. I'm talking about boxes and boxes just from my house, maybe 14, 15 boxes, heavy boxes of water-soaked sperm. It took a few men just to take the sperm off the shelves because they had water logged adhesed to the shelves. You couldn't just take the, the, the sperm off. There was Seamus pickup. There was meals. So many shuls, Achiezer and, and other organizations had meals that you could take. And... And and there were cars going around with 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 Danishes with pizza, and Baruch Hashem we were fortunate. We I have in-laws close by that we were able to stay at, but we had to spend time at our house to to, to start cleaning up and doing things. And and how could you prepare food? There's no electricity. There's no refrigerators. There's nothing working, and 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 cars would come by with 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 pizza with Danishes, and flashlights, and I, and that's just the cleanup. But then. How to get started on the, re- the rebuilding? Uh, there were crews that were supplied, volunteer crews that came to my from all over, from Boston, from 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 Baltimore, from all over. All of this was organized under the Achiezer umbrella and Nivna, and and I'm just to give you an example. At one point in my house, 
I, 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 I come downstairs into my basement and I see a crew ripping out the walls, a volunteer crew, and I recognize one of the men wearing dungarees in work clothes as one of the chashva chashva balabatim from the yeshiva where I work, somebody who could sit on a board of directors, I don't know if he is or he isn't, but someone of that caliber, and he's in his dungarees pulling out, pulling out sheetrock from my house. This was the kind of volunteer spirit that the community had and that was just amazing to watch. Plus, of course, the startup money. The banks were very, very slow. It took, it took till Thanksgiving for a, for a bank worker to even show up in my house to even look at the wreckage. That's a whole month had uh. gone by. Forget about how long it would take them to just make a report when they had millions of customers, like you said, to deal with. And, and how do you, and, 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 and the White Shul was a clearinghouse for government people and if you wanted to access that, and, and Shayosha was a clearinghouse for so many things. And one of the things that was amazing was because of all this help that we were getting from all sides, laundry, shameless meals, we were able to restore normalcy to our family very, very quickly. That was what was amazing. First of all, normalcy to me. Um, I work for Yeshiva Darchi Torah, the Yeshiva did a, a yeoman job in getting the yeshiva up and running. They they got a huge generator. Within how many days were they open? They 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 the storm hit Monday morning, and the next few days everyone was in disarray. Right. But right after that, we already started with classes in satellite locations. By the next week. By the, no, that very week. That week. That that Friday, I was already at at, at um, Mr. Farman's house in Woodmere giving a class, <laughs> and then the next weekend that that weekend we opened up already. Like by Monday, we were in full force, wow. and as First of all, I have to say that I, ne- I did not miss a single day of work because of the hurricane. Not one day was missed because of the hurricane, I was, which, which for me was very therapeutic. I was able to feel like I'm a breadwinner, I'm teaching Torah, I'm doing, I'm, I have at least one part of the day that's my routine. So you consider yourself one of the lucky ones. Absolutely, Baruch Hashem. And, and, and not only me, but many, many Rebbeim of my colleagues were all affected by this. We all, li- a lot of, we all live in the same general area, and, and, and the yeshiva functioned like normal. The yeshiva functioned like normal within a week. And, and, and for the children, this was such a big thing. The normalcy, you can't underestimate the value that for them that their friendships were continuing. They had recess. They were playing with their friends at school. Torah was being learned. They were in their normal routine during the day. And that gave parents time you know, to, to deal with my class that I teach was mostly Cedarhurst children last year. Cedarhurst was very, very hard hit. And most, and this gave their parents time to deal with all the things they needed to deal with. The fact that the yeshiva was able to open. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 FM, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Rabbi Eliezer Post, first grade rabbi at Yeshiva Darche Torah, giving us a great musr this morning. I think a lot of people are taking your words and and are expressing thanks that they did not have a similar type of situation during the superstorm. I also think that one of the things, besides the help that we got, one of the things that we have to give thanks for, and especially to Achiezer and to Nivna and Kef and the shuls in the area, is the tremendous achdus that we witnessed, which was a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. People were talking about it all over the tri-state area. The Kiddush Hashem that was made in this, in this, in this neighborhood and, 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 and in this community um, you know, here we are. Here we are in Gullis, America, and you know we know Niskat Nuadoris. We're not as great as as our, our as our parents and grandparents' generation, but here in this event, we really stepped up to the plate, and I think we gave Nachas and Shemayim 
you know, looking down at, at what happened over here. And uh, I would just like to uh, to finish up by saying that, you know, I hope this taught us, number one, to appreciate our possessions <laughs> that, that Hashem gives us. While and we to have appreciate, and, and, and to appreciate Baruch Hashem, our children, that in this neighborhood we had, you know, Baruch Hashem, no loss of life. Right. And uh, but I think another thing is to appreciate time. Because last year during the hurricane, for, the, for months and months afterwards, all my nights were spent with contractors on the phone, electricians, plumbers. And Baruch Hashem, it's all over. It's in the past now. Now, now uh, we've, we've rebuilt Baruch Hashem. But, but now the question that, that Hashem is maybe giving us is, so what are you going to do with your time now? <laughs> now that you have all this free time, so what are you going to do with it? So for that and for everything, from the bottom of my heart, I thank the Achiezer organization and I thank all the Shuls and Rabbi Bender, who I work for, was a very key person in, in all of this, in, in helping out the Rebbeim and in helping out the community. And um, we're just very fortunate to, to, have, to have had such a support at such a difficult time in our lives. Thank you, Nachum, and thank you, uh, Achiezer, for inviting me to this program. Thank you, Rabbi Post. Phenomenal words and very important words, and I think a lot of people are very thankful and have the right perspective after hearing what you've said. Um, I'm glad to hear that things are normal. A year later, thank God. Okay, and my final joke is, if I didn't let a hurricane make me miss work, I'm certainly not going to let a show about a hurricane make me miss work. So I think I'm going to sign off. What, t- what time do you have to report? Send our best to everybody at Tarche. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Rabbi Eliezer Post here at JM in the AM. Plenty more coming up three minutes after 8 o'clock on this uh, Tuesday morning broadcast. It is uh, Superstorm Sandy. One year later, we're at the Achiezer headquarters. This program is Le'ilu Nishmas, Yaakov Mordechai, Ben Avram, Lipa, Cohen, Woolman. I want to thank the Woolman family, and we will hear from the uh, chairman of the executive board of Achiezer coming up. Phone number at Achiezer for help and for donations at 516-791-4444. You can go to the web at achiezer.org for all the information. More coming up during hour number three of our Superstorm Sandy one year later program at JM in the AM. Bokel <laughs> Se fa 
וצרידה, סוגר הלילה את ריסה, שוב נדלקים הכוכבים, נתיב של אור לילדים, הנה אשמורת אחרונה, על מטרים ומנגינה, בצליל הרב ורבגוני, ליבי כבר ער, מודה אני. J.M. in the A.M. Michael Fragan just walked in off the campaign trail. I want to say good morning to Michael, uh, who's trying to get his uh, Thursday night spin class show back for me. We'll see what happens after the election, how difficult a time I'll give him about returning. I'm having too good of a time doing it. That's the bottom line. Also, I want to thank Joel from Gotta Get a Bagel in Woodmere. Joel has uh, provided breakfast for the... Uh, the crew here at uh, JM and the AM and the crew at Achiezer, who are up very early to help us here this morning. In fact, Ray Bender, when Ray Bender comes on, uh, I would like him to thank all the people who worked behind the scenes before this show to make it happen. Joel is at uh, Gotta Get a Bagel, Joel Baruch, at uh, 1039 Broadway in Woodmere, New York. Go to ggbagel.com. Go to ggbagel.com for information. And I am told by my uh, general manager, Mary Mel Wallach, that the Milka Kielsen gets special recognition for her work before the show. So thank you, Milka Kielsen, for all your work before this program and helping get us to um, Achiezer. 
uh, this morning, uh, Hurricane, or I should say Superstorm Sandy, one year later. F- Assemblyman Phil Goldfeder has been serving this area for just over a year. Just two years. Is it already two years? Two years. I was going to say just over a year because what I remember is that you assume office and then a minute later we have the Superstorm. But I guess it was a little bit of time before that. I, I got about a year <laughs> to prep for it, to, to get ready. And, uh, obviously, no amount of time is enough to get ready for what we faced about a year ago. You could say that again. Uh, your reputation is amazing. You're representing our community extremely well with great pride and uh, a lot of hard work up in Albany, and everybody thanks you for that. Uh, you have a unique perspective. You are not just in position to help people and to be a liaison with the government of the state of New York. You also were a victim of Superstorm Sandy. Yeah, I actually re- I remember talking to you just a couple of days after the storm as I was leaving my father's house, and uh, he'd be upset if I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it was a very tough time for everybody, um, and there was nobody who was who escaped sort of the pain and the suffering. But that was what really made the relief and, and what the organizations were doing great, because everybody who was sitting around the table was going through it themselves. So they had a unique perspective on how to help the next person. And I uh, tell this great story that when I finally got to my house uh, over a little week after the storm, and I finally got to my house and I was cleaning, and volunteers just started showing up. And I didn't ask them to come, and no one planned it to come, and, and all of a sudden people just started showing up. And by the time we were finished, there must have been 30 people in my house trying to pull things out. Wow. Boy, oh, boy. A lot of manpower needed in so many different homes in the area. Um, all right. How did government do during this superstorm? Uh, a lot of people have been critical, and this is not just New York State, believe you me, where <laughs> we're based in the Garden State, a lot of complaints as well. Um, a lot of people were critical about what the government did or did not do in the aftermath of the storm and all the way until today. What is your evaluation being on the front lines of the role of government in all this? You know, it's very fitting you ask that question as we're sitting here in the Achiezer office because what Achiezer did in, in our community was, was more than I could say for, for city government. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, as city government got into gear, you know, weeks after the storm, they actually looked to Achiezer and looked to organizations in Far Rockaway in the Jewish communities to see how we were already successful in, in helping people, whether it was dig out their basements or the boiler and heating programs that were already going on right. when the city finally woke up and said, oh, we better worry, start worrying about the heating and the, and the, the hot water and the, the boiler. So it was disappointing. Um, and for me, as someone who is, is fairly new to, to elected office, I was very surprised to see the lack of response. But I think as a community, that is really what made us stronger. Um, really, everybody stepped up. Everybody pitched in. Where government failed, the community really shined and made a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. And I was just so happy to be a part so of it. So were you in a tough position? Were you in a tough situation? I mean, you, you've come out as a real uh, community and governmental leader through this entire episode. You'd think that's the exception because of the way people view those who represent them in Albany. You know, it's funny, you know. When you the day after the storm, you think very big. How are we going to help everybody all at one time? And then it's not until you take a step back and you you look around the community and say, there's no way to help everybody all at one time. We're going to keep moving forward, find the partners in the community who are actually doing the work, and not wait for some big white knight to come and save us. And you know, I was very critical of of the mayor and of the utility companies and so on. And I wasn't afraid to say it, but more importantly, I said during the storm that there's going to be a time for accountability. Um, and that time, you know, wasn't you know in the immediate aftermath. Right. Our goal was to really just provide the services to the families that needed it. Uh, Phil Goldfeder, Assemblyman Phil Goldfeder is here uh, officially. What number district or twenty third assembly? Twenty third assembly district here in uh, New York and uh, somebody who was uh, on the front lines. What, your, your personal situation, when were you eventually in your home and things were what we would call normal? It took us, well, I don't know, uh, I still don't know if uh, everything is <laughs> complete normal. I mean, today we celebrate a year anniversary, but uh, just last week one of my neighbors and I walked into his house thinking everything is great 
and he still has the four foot cutouts on his, in his house, still waiting for his insurance company. And, and you know, just another another example of the problems that still exist. But uh, Baruch Hashem, my family is is back in our home. My parents are happy to see us out of their home, um, and our recovery is 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 nearly there. And you know, you don't realize how it affects your family and how it affects my kids. Uh, my kids to this day talk about toys that they lost when the floods came, and it's. It's hard. You don't realize the impact it has. Um, and I know that while today is a year, it's going to be a long time before a lot of our families are back to normal. Uh, what would you say to people who are still in need today? And in addition to Achiezer, might want to turn to local government. I mean, I assume your phone, your office phone, is still operational and people could reach you. I know uh, that you, I know you, you pulled a lot of things in order to actually have a phone it at was, an office that worked. My, you know, you know, my office actually got a lot more damage than my home. Right. You know, when you when your home is destroyed, you look for another comfort zone. And, and my office, which would have been that, was destroyed as well during the storm. But my office is up and running. I've got a tremendous staff. I can't thank uh, Pesach Hosina, who uh, who worked for me at the time. Did tremendous, tremendous work. You know, Pesach really deserves all the credit in the world because, you know, he did not eat, he did not sleep, he was out in the community, and and we're still available literally 24/7 as people need us. And you can reach my office, 718-945-9550. And it doesn't matter where you live. You know, if you have a problem, whether it's in the five towns, whether it's in Farakway, wherever your listeners are are hearing this, if there's an issue still relating to the storm or anything that that you think that government could be helpful with. Please don't hesitate. That's what I'm here for. And I think it's all in the attitude that you just displayed, because a lot of uh, government officials that get back to with why they can't help, you usually get back with at least what I can do. It may be minimum compared to, you know, the, the big picture like you described earlier, but here's what we can do. Here's the help I could provide. Here's the resource I could guide you to. It's one person at a time. And look, Baruch Hashem, I've got great partners. Achiezer is a great organization, which I rely on. You know, people call me, and I don't have an answer. Oftentimes, I find myself calling Rabbi Bender and saying, you know, how can we help this? family, how can we help this person? And that's really, I think, what makes this community so great, because you have partnerships that you don't see in any other community. You've got, you know, a knowledge base that is not just about one person doing one thing. You've really got a great core of people whose goal is just to help. There's no, it's not about covered. It's not about, you know, you know, getting your name in the newspaper. It's about helping people get back on their feet, whether it's a, a tragedy like Sandy or or just every day. I mean, people just have issues and, and problems that, that need help, they need help with. And, uh, I'm proud to be a part of it. Assemblyman, thank you so much. Thank you, Nahum. Assemblyman Phil Goldfeder, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Great job. He's been a great friend over the years, and uh, wonderful to see you in Albany now and uh, continued success. Next will be what? Governor? <laughs> and U.S. Senator? Don't tell my wife that. I don't think she'll appreciate it. <laughs> Governor, U.S. Senator? Someone said this on Chavez? Rabbi Feiner said what? That he'll be governor of New York? There you go. He's already starting to fundraise for my Senate campaign. There you go, Phil Goldfeder. I'm not kidding. Are you kidding? Anybody with a positive attitude, as far as I'm concerned, has the right to run for public office and help people. Simple as that. And one day you'll really make it. You'll be the director of operations at uh, at Halb, like Chaim Hollander is, who's visiting us here this morning. Nice to have you here, uh, Chassan. Chaim Hollander just got married three weeks ago. Everybody could wish him a mazel tov. Have a l'chaim from Gotta Get a Bagel. Uh, thank you, Phil Goldfeder, assemblyman here in... Um, in the uh, Five Towns area, and uh, now we get an opportunity to speak again to Rabbi Bender, who has been leading Achiezer for a long time. Everyone thinks it's a year. No, Rabbi Bender has been here longer than a year. And Rabbi Bender is uh, accompanied by uh, Shuli Wolman, who is chairman of the executive board of Achiezer. And uh, last year, or a few months ago, whenever the dinner was, uh, Shuli Wolman was, uh, uh, was asked to speak 
and um, uh, tell everybody who was at the dinner about the work of Achiezer. And I, I think he did one of the smartest things you could do. He outlined not only what was going on in the aftermath of the superstorm, but spoke about all the work that Achiezer does on a daily basis that is completely not storm-related. And we'll ask him about that in a moment. Rai Bender, if you would, could you thank all those responsible for us being here today and the help that was given behind the scenes to make sure this show would go smoothly. The people I'm going to thank, I actually deserve a thank you all year round. Very often, you know, I find myself as the public face of Achiezer, but truly I'm not just saying this to be some false modesty here, but there's there's an amazing team that's not in the spotlight as much, Um, just to mention a few of them, and that's Ellie Weiss, who you spoke to earlier, Um, Shalom Jaroslowitz, was really uh, endlessly an on-call. He actually manages our 24-hour on-call emergency system. Thank you, Shalom. He was yes. here very early this morning. Before I was. Way and before, before I me. <laughs> I was turning over, I think, when he came. Uh, Milka Kielsen, of course, who really instrumental in, in, in tracking everybody down and Thank working you, on the schedules. Not easy. And uh, pretty much if I leave anybody out, those are really the three main players. My, my brother-in-law, Aaron Zella Grosenberg, actually. He also beat us here this morning. The computer man who really was here, again, while I was turning over. Um, he helped you know, make everything happen, and uh, we very much appreciate what they do all year round. Uh, once I have it, I know he's not going to be happy. Someone like Aaron Zella, who I mentioned earlier, during the hurricane as well, the way that he patched together solutions for us and computers and wires and generators and made makeshift offices along with Shalom Jaraswitz and Ellie Weiss. These guys did not sleep the first few days. They literally did not see a bed. See, it's all in the attitude. Instead of saying why something can't be done, it's proclaiming why something can be done. I, I, I'd like to joke in the office that we, we are all eternal optimists. There's no such thing as no. No such thing as we can't. We will find a way. And these guys really, day in, day out, really make it happen. And that is why you're led by the most eternal optimists. I refer, of course, to our good friend, Shuli Wallman, <laughs> who I've had a long, long relationship with and has been a great friend of the Siegel family. He's chairman of the executive board of Achiezer. Mr. Wallman, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Uh, you were given the task of speaking uh, to the masses when Achiezer had their big dinner. It was a big dinner, I bender, right? A lot of people came to that dinner. It was. It was uh, again. I always set don't set any high expectations right. because you never want to be disappointed. But I would say more than 1,200 people really turned out to the dinner in an amazing display of Achtas from all sides, left, right, east, west, and uh, it was really a tremendous, tremendous chizik for all of us. You're here to talk to Shuli. I'm going to say one thing and embarrass him. Can I? Yeah, why today's in? the day. Why not? You know, about less than five years ago, I'll be 30 seconds, you know, when we were came up with the concept of Achiezer. We had actually spoken earlier. Right. On, and the mission wasn't even perfectly clarified. Correct. Yet. I remember it was a lot of medical. That's correct. correct. Right. Started at medical base, but Shuli can talk about that early, those early days. But I will never forget. I sat down with Shuli in his living room, him and his wife, Ahuva. I'll never forget. And I was busy making the rounds those days trying to sell my product and this idea that a few of us had come up with. And I was 15 seconds in, and I said something to Shuli about people in crisis need a number to call. And did you, we just have to be available as a chesed center. Before I conceptualize it, Shuli goes, Bibi, I love it. <laughs> I was, you love what? I love the idea. We're going to help people. It was in his living room. Ask him. And he was on board. He's like, I'm a, And then obviously he went from board member, and now we asked him to lead the organization as chairman. But I'll never forget that moment. And it was like, that's it. I know it's going to work now because Shuli just said, it's going to work. Yes. And uh, here we are. And when he says something's going to work, it works. He doesn't fail. Truly welcome to the show. Uh, so you were asked that night to describe not only what Achiezer does in the aftermath of the superstorm, but what Achiezer has been doing since day one. What did you tell the crowd that evening? Well, let me back up a little sure. bit. Um, when Baruch Bear came to my house approximately five years ago, it was a true shidduch. It was a, a true match. It was what... Bibi uh, proposed was a chesed organization, a true chesed organization. 
And after listening and Ohuva, my wife, listening, we both said it was a great organization and a great idea. I can tell you personally, we've benefited from it on health issues. My father, Shalom, when he was Nifta, Bibi Bender was there along with Hatzala, Lozakana, Joey Kana, and they were all there to help and move everything along. But Achiezer is not only just a, sta- a sandy relief organization. We started off with a crisis intervention. We have medical support. We have hospital support. We have two respite ha- rooms in South Nassau Hospital, one in Mercy Hospital. Correct. LIJ on the way. And our LIJ on the way, and we thank the people who sponsored the rooms and the people who keep the rooms supplied with all the food for people who are in the hospital. And again, I've benefited from it. We have insurance programs, financial assistance. But the bulk of our calls come from people who are in crisis. And there are people who are in crisis. There's one phone call you need to make. You call Achiez and they'll take care of everything. If it's from a medical doctor, a surgery, uh, very important things when it comes to health, Achiez is there to guide you, help you, hold your hand. And as the, assembly, as the assemblyman said, it's a true Kiddush Hashem to have an organization like this, and we're very proud of it. How do you know from the beginning that this would work? Why did the concept sit so well with you? You know what, like I said in the beginning of my speech at the dinner, we were in the minor leagues, and then we went to the World Series. We knew it was going to work because an organization headed by Baruch Ber Benda is an organization that won't fail. He, has put, he puts his 24 hours in. It's 365 days a year. It works. If it's not from the Achiezu office, it's in his living room of his house three days after his uh, Shalom Zohar. He had a baby. Friday night we sat in his house um, before the storm, and Monday night and Tuesday night we were sitting in his house in a makeshift uh, war zone, a situation room, as the White House would call it, a true situation room. When the storm hit, were you afraid that the volume of help that's needed is going to overwhelm this organization? In fr- by from people, everybody comes to help. We had, an, we had a community that was hit very bad. Personally, I was hit. People stayed back. There were people always there to help, from Borough Park to Flatbush, from Seagate, to even people who were suffering were helping. We were From Baltimore, we were getting transformers and people getting gas, helping other people get gas, transporting gas. It was a true achdos, a true organization of chesed. Yeah, we spent almost the entire morning talking about homes that were damaged and the aftermath of that type of situation. One thing you know well, and we should emphasize, that people lost their cars, just ways of getting around, and it took days, if not weeks, to get them replaced, and there was also messes with insurance companies and everything else. Even more difficult in certain ways. Right. A lot of coverage doesn't cover those lost cars, and leases and things like that, big mess. And you, you, you underwent that and saw a lot of other people going through that as well. Many, many people in the area lost cars, lost homes. People were there to help others. If it's from the White Shul having uh, food, uh, food right. banks, if it's from Shayoshev storing clothing for people who needed clothing, everybody was there. People were out 24 hours a day, seven days a week, patrolling, watching out for others, watching out for others' houses. And we were there for others. We didn't leave. A neighbor on my block of Rumi Solansky, he didn't leave. We watched our block. The minion was put into his house. Say, the tires were moved from shuls because you couldn't dive in, in shuls. 
and we had everything uh, ready to go. It was like nothing stopped. I remember the makeshift minyanim in our neighborhood, and I couldn't believe how they went on in the day or two after the storm. The same as, and obviously a lot more damage and a lot more devastation out here, and yet the minyanim continued, right? Yes. It was. I mean, during those first 24 hours, obviously, people were right. pretty, pretty bunkered up in their homes. <laughs> right. But within days after, it, it was in living rooms, it was in houses. Right. And uh, like I said, we mentioned a few times certain shoes. And that first Shabbos was in the dark. Uh, I think that, both Shabbos. I'll both never forget first. that first Shabbos. We walked with as many reflectors as we can find. Right. Uh, the streets were completely dark. Our summerman who was just here uh, along, I believe it was him, along with... Uh, uh, a couple of other elected officials worked on making sure that there was special emergency lighting. Um, that Shabbos also the JCC and Farakwe along the Met Council worked on bringing additional security to the community. Um, again, I wasn't around at every street to see them, but I was told that's what they brought, and that was definitely a great comfort. But uh, those those were tough, dark days, and they will not soon be forgotten. Uh, Shuli Wolman is chairman of the executive board of Achiezer, with Rai Bender, of course, leader of the organization. Our show today is Zelzech Nishmas, Yaakov Mordechai, and Avram Lipa, Cohen Wolman, and we're talking about the... Uh, past, present, and of course the future of Achiezer. So what was the future message? I mean, uh, essentially uh, what you told the people at the dinner that night and what you're saying this morning is that the organization is simply going to go forward and continue to fill this role, whatever is needed, even if there's a superstorm, even if there's you know thousands of people who are affected, they're going to be able to step in as we've seen in the past and help everybody out. We hope that there is no longer any more superstorms. <laughs> sure. I'm done. That, like, it, we're done. We'd like to move on with what the uh, organization was started out to be, a chesed organization for people who need help, a crisis. We're here for you. We're ready to help you with all we can. Um, there are still people who are suffering through right. Sandy. And again, a year later. Is, a year later, and there are people here still to help, and we always will be there to help. All right, Yashikov, thank you so much for having us here today, Shuli Woman. Sorry for ruining your morning schedule, but hey. It was well worth it. Thank he's got God. a pretty strong Anything. routine. I, know, so he's got, I think you know that. He's got a very strong schedule he likes to stick to. And Rai Bender, I remind everybody that they can contact Achiezer at 516-791-4444 and contribute around the world at achiezer.org. More coming up. This is JM in the AM. <laughs> Da 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 da
ZK reuniting with one of our original Jam the M engineers from years ago. Hollander is here, the brand new Hassan. I want to thank him for stopping by. I want to thank everybody who stopped by here this morning at JM. The M. Reminder, we're on the, I want to thank Shirley Meyer, who's been coordinating our social media this morning. We're on Facebook at Jewish Radio World with Nahum Siegel on Twitter at Nahum Siegel Net, Instagram, Instagram.com slash Nahum Siegel. Make sure to follow us all day long. We'll be at Kosher Fest later on at the Abel's and Hyman's 60th anniversary celebration in booth 511 if you are in the trade. I want to thank our general manager, Miriam L. Wallach, and a big thank you to Stephen Wallach, who's here today. Stephen Wallach who suffers through the Nahum Siegel Network on a daily basis, and his contribution, believe you me, is not underappreciated. It's appreciated very much. Michael Fragan laughs, but he knows what I'm referring to. He knows this is a full-blown effort that needs a lot of attention. Michael Fragan, welcome. I appreciate Stephen. I want you to tell you that. Others might not as much, but I do. And we're not even, and we're not even allowed to tell the story that he was involved with during Hurricane Sandy, but whatever. That's a separate I, I got to tell you, this, this whole... guy looks great in... Very long boots that go way up past right. the knee, waddling, you know, wading through right. about what, but now we've six, already, six or seven feet of water. Now we've already told more than we're allowed to tell about oh. his rescue efforts that night. Well, I, I do recall that Stephen was the only person, I don't know, brave enough, yeah, stupid enough, brave enough to be in that specific area right. of Woodmere. who was basically well, cut off from the rest of the world. His actions that night were under question. We don't know if it was the smart. I, we don't know if it was the smartest thing to do, safety wise. I maintain heroic, and I'm sticking with heroic. I, I agree with you. Just you know, Stephen Wallach, you're my hero. There you go. Now we've now we're really. <laughs> but he still looks good in those fireman boots. The um, first of all, take, thank you for taking a minute out of the campaign to join us. Uh, mornings are great for me. Because, well, evenings are not so great. Oh, the evenings are really packed. Exactly. Are we getting the message out on the Lotus side, or what? I'm not here to talk about politics. We're here to talk about Sandy. Are October you upset, 29th is are a day. Are you upset that the debate was postponed today? I think it uh, gives us another day to prepare. Okay. Uh, you're not utilizing me for debate prep, even though there was the, I think, that I think, was tossed around. I think you know? there was a very good and solid exchange of ideas over right. the studio in Jersey City, right. and there was no question that he was challenged. And then on Sunday, he yeah. went to the home... Of the other Siegel, Rabbi, oh, that's Rabbi right. Nate heard. Siegel. I heard Joe Loto was at the New Springville Jewish Center. He was at the New Springville Jewish Center, and How uh, was that? it was wonderful. Can you believe I still haven't gotten a report about that? Boy, you'd think I would have been told immediately. Uh, internal Siegel family politics. Well, not politics. I can handle New York City politics, <laughs> New York State politics, just, but not internal Siegel family politics. It's just that between politics. me and the rabbi, everyone's so busy, we haven't had a chance to converse about what happened there on well, Sunday. Well, look, you're here, you're a kosher fest. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're dragging ZK all over the planet here. That's the whole goal, is to, is to utilize him until he drops, because uh, from, from overwork. Anyway, um, so you were the first person to recommend to us to go visit Achiezer. That is and I guess, I guess that's possible. You accompanied us on our visit last year to these offices. They were already back in these offices when we got here. And, I, and what do I recall from that encounter? I recall that major Jewish organizations, or I bender may say organizations that we've not seen since then. But that's not a critique. That's just reality. The reality is that a lot of major Jewish organizations came by, wanted to see what was going on to help out, uh, in many cases, uh, to um, uh, contribute their own resources to what Achiezer was doing. And, uh, you know, in a time of crisis, people come together. And that's what I saw here that day. I saw a lot of people from a lot of prominent groups meeting and asking how they could help the Achiezer effort. And here we are a year yes. later. And it's hard to believe that it's a year later, frankly. But then we went from here 
to Shayashiv, if you recall. Correct. And I th- I remember that you were very moved that by, was, by the sight. I mean, how could you not be? That was, I mean, the number of uh, pieces of clothing that were in the yeshiva and the amount of uh, food that was being distributed was simply remarkable. And I unfortunately, also saw, the number of people who right. were availing themselves of that, people who really had were left with nothing. And I saw the uh, the teams that were, you know, being led by volunteer coordinators to go out to specific homes. They had addresses and said, got to go to some. And I, I remember the greatest fear of that day. The greatest fear of that day, and I'm sure any listener in this area, and in a lot of areas, will, will remember this. The greatest fear is that sunset was in an hour or two. And everyone was thinking, oh, my gosh, the sun's going to set. It's going to be much more difficult again to work, and we're going to have to suspend operations in many cases till the morning. And it just was a, you know, we have to go through another night, you know, speaking to our kids and keeping them calm. It was a very, very difficult situation. Look at what we for take men. for granted. Yeah. We take something, uh, and I spoke to my kids about it this week at the Shabbos table. We take something like light for granted. And you think about it when darkness fell at 4.30, 5 o'clock, right. 5.30 in the afternoon, and that was it. For many people, that was their day. They didn't go out again. It was dangerous. It was dangerous to walk. It was dangerous to drive. Not necessarily something that's going to happen to you in the street, but to drive around where there was no, there were no lights, there were no street, there was pitch black. It was, uh, it was incredible. And to be in a, to be in a neighborhood, and remember, there was no gas. Right. So you really didn't know if you went someplace, you would actually be able to get back. And the fear of driving too much and running out of the small amount of gas that one had. The fear about running out of gas while on the line at the gas station. I mean, Absolutely all incredible. All the different things were just uh, coming together at once. And, it was and, and fortunately, we had a, a leader like Assemblyman Phil Goldfeder who was here. Who was here every right. day in the community. And here with a positive attitude. Generally and here, positive. And here with what can I do as opposed to what so many people in government tell us about what they can't do. I don't know any of those people in government, well, but I, I will tell I you do. he's... We banned most of them from the air, frankly. Well... Well, not we. You haven't, but I have. There are certain government officials I will not speak to on the air because they proved themselves to be completely ineffective during Superstorm Sandy. Do we have a list? I have a list. Okay. Are we going to talk about it now? No, Phil, you're not on the list. You were just on. No, don't worry. <laughs> but there are people that, that, are, that were really – that proved themselves to be completely – not just ineffective, but proved themselves to be completely uncaring. They did, they, it did not concern them that this problem existed, that somebody is sitting with $5 million worth of, uh, of goods that, you know, that now are completely destroyed. They didn't even make an overture, have someone in their office make an overture to, to make believe they cared about it. That's what I'm referring to. Well, I think one thing you can say about the assemblyman here, and I know we're not talking specifically about him. No, a lot of public officials but say there are, good. But yeah. th- you never have a situation where you call him or email him or try and contact him or text him. I'm not sure everybody has a cell phone number. I probably should give it out right now. <laughs> but uh, that he doesn't return it. Right. Usually by the end of the day. So there you and, and it's unusual. So that's why there's a difference. There and, is, there is a and difference. And they lucked out here because nobody knows beforehand. There is a difference. Although I, I have heard privately that he, he was you know scheduled to be in Florida that week and decided not to go. And uh, so, you know, unfortunately for him. How many incoming <laughs> calls came to Achiezer the first Eight weeks after the storm. In your estimation, how many calls? Do you want to hear the number? You ready for this? Uh, well, I think I know the answer, but go What's ahead. What's the answer? No, I'm, I'm listening. 21,908. I saw the video. Oh, that was up there? Yeah, well, the figure was up there? I've seen... In the second week of the storm, 
which was the peak of Achiezer activity, incoming activity. Yes. Do you recall the fact that Rabbi Bender had just had a baby that yes, week? Yes. We okay, were, we talked about that already. That okay, was one I just of the, to cover that. Yeah, that, that baby's the most famous baby of the five towns. Are you kidding? <laughs> the, uh, and, the, we, and we were literally in the house with him. Right. Yeah. And so was everybody else. And, right. I mean, you know, everybody was Well, where, where else would you put a, an office, an emergency office, Rachiezer, in the home where there's a new, brand, new, brand newborn baby? Of yeah. course that's a natural place. That bris was the morning of that Sunday morning, right, right before the storm. The bris was Sunday. The next day the storm hit. Correct. Wow. The second week of the storm, right, meaning the storm hits Monday starting the following Sunday, 6,260 calls come into this office. Now, you know what that average is? That's over 1,000 a day. That's pretty insane. I'm sorry. Achiezer gets a lot of credit. It's not just the calls, however, Nachum. You have to remember it's responding. It's triaging. It's categorizing all the calls and making sure that they get – that there's follow-up. Right. Anybody could take a call. It's what you do when you get the call. And that's – that's really the difference, is going ahead and doing that. And I think that that's what many of the Jewish organizations that came down here, or the other organizations that came down here, were really impressed and astounded by. Yeah, someone's actually the, doing something. Was the fact that these calls were coming in, and they were being dealt with. That there were people who, there were families who were calling from all over the country, saying, well, I haven't contacted my uncle, aunt's second cousin in some apartment somewhere, either in Farakway or the five towns, I haven't heard from them. Of course, there's no phones. There's no electricity. So you don't know if people are there. So they sent people. You know, sometimes it was sending Hatsala. Sometimes it was, it was other volunteers. And they sent people to knock on every door. And many times in high-rise buildings without elevators. There's one particular high-rise building in Farakway in particular, which was uh, – or actually two that were, you know, frequently uh, – you had to ascend uh, 20 flights or so. And uh, it was uh, not easy in the dark. Right. The stairwells don't have windows. Right. So you know that there was a story in my neighborhood of uh, of um, a a, vol- a Jewish volunteer group that was going through every apartment. Do you need water? Do you need this? Do you need that? And the person opens the door and says, "I knew you people would show up." And I thought that was one of the greatest compliments to our community that elderly people who could have been there for a week or, or longer without contact with anybody knew that the Jewish community volunteer effort would be there and would walk up to 16, 18 flights, whatever it is, just to check on people and ask if they have the water and necessary food just to get through the next couple of days. Exactly. Thank you, Michael Fragan. Thank you. And thank good you. luck today. This is wonderful, and really thank you for highlighting the important, continuing, ongoing. I am glad that New York City and many other uh, towns and states have decided to follow my lead and take the 29th of October to examine Sandy one year later. You can ask Julie Woolman. I brought this idea to everybody in the five towns five, six weeks ago. As usual, Michael Fragan, we're way ahead of the curve on this one. Way ahead of the way, curve. Way, way ahead of the curve. Our program today is being done. Lilo Nishmas, Yaakov Mordechai, Ben Avram Lipa, Cohen Woolman. Uh, this is JM and the AM as we continue at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 FM and around the world on the web, jmandtheam.org.
We've spent the morning here at Achiezer. Let me run through the schedule before Rabbi Bender and uh, Shuli Woolman help me wrap things up here at uh, JM in the AM. Uh, coming up at 9 o'clock, Ellie Hagler with the OU Jewish Reaction Program on our stream at jmnam.org. Uh, that'll be happening uh, right after JM in the AM, just minutes from now, between 9 and 10. At 10 o'clock, I get the opportunity to interview Rabbi Levy Cooper. Relics of the Present on the topic of Maseches Brachos is the book, and it's an amazing book. Uh, we speak coming up at um, 10 o'clock this morning on Buy the Book. A big thank you to our friends at Coran Publishers for making Rabbi Cooper available. Rabbi Cooper is originally from Australia, now lives in Israel. Uh, 11 o'clock will be at Kosher Fest at the Big Abel's and Hyman's 60th anniversary celebration in booth 511 if you are a Kosher Fest trade show participant. Tonight, Rachel Berger is Rabbi Egal Siegel's guest on the Nefesh Benefesh Homeward Bound program. That'll start at 7.30. Post-Aliyah and employment are the topics for tonight. Uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, Teen Spirit with uh, Abby Stiefel. She'll speak to uh, Yaffa Stone, a senior, and Tamar Nissel, a sophomore, plus Dr. Razel Yaish and Rabbi Stephen Finkelstein, who uh, head the guidance department of Mayanot and TABC, respectively. Show will also be podcasted beginning at eight o'clock tonight, and don't forget to vote for the top nine at nine. That is uh, happening tonight with Yossi Zweig, starting at uh, nine p.m. Eastern time on the stream at jmtheam.org. You can vote by going to nachumsegel.com and clicking on the nine at nine tab at the very top of the page. That's how it works. Uh, Achiezer information very simple. Go to achiezer.org or dial five one six seven nine one four 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 five one six seven nine one four 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 tomorrow. The um, tomorrow uh, our special guest in studio will be Avram Fried. Avram Fried will be live in studio tomorrow morning. Looking forward to that at JM in the AM. Uh, Rabbi Bender, we should mention that Rabbi Heshi Billet and um, uh, he was scheduled to join us this morning. Unfortunately, his schedule will not allow it. Uh, in addition to being a victim of the storm, right? The Billet family was actually uh, hard hit. Very hard hit. We lost a lot, a lot of items and a lot of damage to the house. But um, despite all that, is what you were probably going right. towards, Rabbi Billet's leadership was tremendous. And the fact that I'll be very open. The fact that communities like Farakway and Bayswater teamed up with communities like Woodmere didn't make a difference. You know, where you were from, or what Shulia Davin and Rabbi Billet was tremendous in the fundraising relief efforts. I mean, I think the first few weeks he probably stopped in here two, three, four times a week, either to drop off checks or ask how else he can help, and constant communication with us, doing whatever he can to help his community, all despite the fact that he had suffered himself major, major damages to his home. But he didn't mention it not one single time. And I'm sure our listeners recall that um, he joined us. Well, first of all, we did our post-Sandy show from his shul, the Young Israel of Woodmere. In addition to that, he joined us on the air, and it was one of, uh, ironically, and be careful the way you hear this, folks, it was a disservice to the community. Because our billet came on the air on that Friday morning after the storm, and we were anticipating him telling the world just how devastating the community is, as devastated the community is, and how difficult things are, etc. And he, un- unfortunately, or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, <laughs> as we're trying to alert everybody to how difficult things are, he comes on with the most positive attitude, 
telling people it's only possessions and thank God we have our family, our lives, etc. And telling everybody to be high-spirited and to be in a good mood. And it was not what we expected. <laughs> and certainly not what, like we, <laughs> not what we anticipated. But I hear that all the emails, all the sermons... All the private discussions were all on that theme when it came to Ibilla. Always. I mean, he was involved in every bit of it and really just wanted to be there and to take care of people and to not stop until he knew that the people both in his own shul and people across the community were being taken care of. But publicly, he put on a tremendously positive face. And uh, at the end of the day, Ibilla is 100% right, and I wanted to mention Chile what happened this right. past Sunday. The yep. fact that, yes, you know, despite the terrible physical damages, the financial damages that continue to this very day and the emotional impact, we, we, we have a lot of Hodot HaKadosh Baruch that we're all here. You know, surely we'll remember the discussion we had, and so will the assemblymen. We were petrified at first, now, like I said earlier. But we were all here, and you know, we decided in a very, you know, Achtas-filled way to involve every single school in the community, every single shul, in attendance on Sunday at Shayash, we had a community-wide asifa, asim and sefer tehillim. There were 58 rabbanim from Farakway, Five Towns, Bayswater, Bell Harbor, 58. We ran out of seats on the dais. There were two levels of the dais. There were about 2,200 people who came. 2,200. That's correct. Beat our expectation just to say thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Thank you for allowing us to survive this past year. You know, thank you, you know, thank you for giving the community, you know, the the ability, the spirit, and every shul in the community, all the other organizations. Yes, Achiezer was instrumental, but it was along with the help of many organizations. I mentioned almost all their names previously, and people, and private people, and people showed up, and it was not a long program. People sat to Hillam together. They heard some Nagunim together from Baruch Levine and Eitan Katz at the end. Wow. At the end, you saw scenes of people dancing with a kippah with a black hat. Left, right, it didn't make a difference. It was something which I, I know most of us will, uh, Shuli can comment. He's smiling over there, which we'll, we'll, we'll never ever forget. What were your impressions of Sunday, Shuli? Sunday was most unbelievable. A typical Achiezer event, if we can call it uh, that. Shuli on time, <laughs> on time, perfect. It was said to be one hour, and it was truly one hour. To see a community get together, and it was something to get together on, not such a happy thing, but at the end result is, we made it through. Baruch Hashem, as Rabbi Billet said, it was only possessions that were lost. Baruch Hashem, no lives were lost. And it was a true Achiezer effort that went forth, and everybody worked together. And there are a few people that you have to thank for this. One is Mrs. Benda, Suri Benda. You have to thank her for letting people 24 hours a day in her house as a, at the command center. And you got to thank her for that because I can tell you, it was a zoo in that house. Food, boards, phones. You got to give a shkayach and a karasatov to the whole Bender family, the children, the little Benders, and we have to th- say thank you to them. Also, you have to. I'd like to thank my wife for putting up with me during <laughs> this uh, situation. Thank you for putting up with you always, truly. <laughs> and, and especially a, a friend of mine, Avrumi Slansky, who really kept the Rabbi Katz Minion, who was the hardest hit area in that, on the Reeds Lane area, Minion going from the morning after the storm. Where did it meet? We met in his house. Even though he had an inch of water, the water was out, and the Minyanim were there for two weeks. Shabbos, we had Kiddush in the house. There weren't many people. There were only 10, 12 people, but we had a Minion, and you got to give him a Yashikayach. Amazing, I'll tell you. The way our people respond is just incredible. 
Uh, Achiezer continues to um, uh, take your donations online at achiezer.org. You can call 516-791-4444. Good opportunity to thank everybody around the world who uh, responded in the aftermath of the storm and who continue to respond as Achiezer gets back to its regular work, so to speak. Absolutely. We wish you good luck with that, right, Bender? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's never an easy day, and I, gotta, I can't speak enough. I should really give each one of the people credit here. There are on any given day now 15 or 16 people who are working on, quote-unquote, the regular work. And um, if there's one message I would give to the community, and my own office feels the same way everybody here, and I know Shuli can elaborate himself, is that there's a lot of work to be done to assist people who are in a crisis, people who need our help. And, yes, people will take the help in any way they can, but we need to continue to do it in an effective and in a dignified way. And like I said, I spoke last week somewhere, if there's really a message, we cannot, you know, the achtas, and you've heard some dramatic, dramatic retelling of stories this morning and yep. of acts of chesed and lives being saved. Um, we need to go forward helping people on a regular sunny day. We can't wait for the tragedies, for the hurricane. We need to be there for our community members in need. And uh, we'll hope and pray for the day when none of these services are needed. But until then, our job has to be to be there for the community. And whenever someone is in a crisis, we've got to respond. And, uh, Shuli? And to end off what uh, Baruch Ber said, we hear constantly for to be responsive to everybody's needs, whatever it might be, from in crisis, medical, we're here for you. Give us a call if you need help. Encouraging people to use the service. Uh, 100%. I want to thank uh, Shuli Woolman and the Woolman family. Today's program was done with Zechanishmas, Yaakov Mordechai, and Avram Lipa, Cohen Woolman. I want to thank Rai Bender, and I want to thank everybody at Achiezer. I think this is an important day, uh, psychologically. I think it's important to get past the one year mark. Uh, anybody who's, uh, I don't know, lost relatives or has uh, had tragic episodes in their life, I think getting back to that part of the calendar and getting past it is always important, and uh, now Achiezer uh, can continue with storm relief, but can certainly uh, concentrate even more on the day-to-day uh, situations that people are in need of. Uh, information, contact Achiezer through Achiezer.org, and I thank them for hosting us here this morning at JM and the AM. We'll close out with Eitan Katz and then uh, wrap up our program for a Tuesday at JM and the AM.
brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, JM and the AM dot O-R-G. And that wraps up a Tuesday from Achiezer. Coming up at 11 o'clock, we'll be doing our live lunch from Kosher Fest with our friends from Abel and Hyman. Don't forget, coming up next, Ellie Hagler with the Jewish Reaction. At 10 o'clock, I speak to Rabbi Levy Cooper. His brand-new book is amazing. It's called The Relics of the Present. Uh, I get a chance to speak with him coming up between 10 and 11. Thank you to Corin Publishers for taking care of that for us. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Speak to you in a couple of hours. And until then, Achim Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.